The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, from the planet of Brooklyn, no less. One agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Nice. And you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today, please. Uh, you can also find this on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and all that other good stuff. Five star reviews. All of that. All of that. Um, you can also catch us every Thursday night, uh, 9.30-ish p.m., uh, uh, we'll record live like we're doing right now if you're doing so which you know if you're, watch, if you're listening to this later hey that's not doing you any good um, twitch.tv slash combo chronicles and the youtube channel of the click nation that's youtube.com slash the click nation that's k-l-i-q-n-a-t-i-o oh sorry go ahead no no sorry that's k-l-i-q-n-a-t-i-o-n make sure to hit like and subscribe and of course leave us all the good reviews and comments Sorry, T H E K L I K K L I Q N E A T I O N. But what he said, do it. Um, tonight we are going to start off as we have been the last couple of weeks doing a recap of uh, the um, of Moon Knight, which we got a new episode of, which is episode three on Disney Plus. Right. So we are now officially halfway through this Moon Knight series, and this this episode kind of leaves us in a weird in, in a weird space mm-hmm. and i'm starting to think that knowing exactly how long this series is i think that the halfway point isn't necessarily where we're going to get a lot of movement in the story nah i think 3 quarters is closer to the right mark you know so probably near the end of the fourth episode Oh, I would I would go so far as to say the fifth episode, like the penultimate penultimate episode is probably going to be the one that's just going to wrap up and and answer a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. start you anyway, and before it gets well, in terms of summer. right in terms of movement though, right. that's really what I was getting at. You I know, like you. kind of getting the the story moving forward. I got you. you know? I I think there's um, there's something here, and we'll get to it. But I sure. I feel like you know the halfway point 
isn't necessarily going to be where the story turns. I think right. that's that's kind of, <clears throat> excuse me. In comic book storytelling, at least, for you know, say it's a six issue limited series, we're kind of trained to think that issue number three is going to be where something dramatic happens to change the direction of the story. And in a sense, there is something in this episode that happens to change, potentially change, how we view the hero, the the, the, the hero character in this, Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And so. I'm gonna let you, yeah, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one. But all I'm going to say is that the name of the episode is called uh, "The Friendly Type." All righty. So we're following up on, you know, we're pretty much following up exactly where we left off. Where at the end of the last episode, um, Harrow now has that golden snitch. I mean, the golden <laughs> scarab, which essentially acts as a compass. That leads to um, not Amit's tomb, but Amit's Ushapti, right? And I definitely needed this article, this recap over at Marvel.com to realize what that was. Because I think I, I saw it on the screen in, in closed captioning and just let it let it fly past without looking it up. Right. So at this point, Mark has found himself headed off into... Uh, to Egypt, where we're, we're, we're told that he's in Cairo and that he is searching for um, uh, a way to find out where Harrow is. Uh, the episode opens with Layla meeting up with uh, a friend who is apparently very familiar with her family. And this friend is a source of let's just say illicit documents, illegal documents, forgeries. That's mm-hmm. the best way to put them. And so she basically puts together a new Egyptian passport for Layla. And uh, at the end of the day, they have a conversation about what, you know, where her life, where Layla's life is, is going and what her you now estranged husband is doing running around in Cairo. Uh We move on to Arthur Harrow, and he is using the golden snitch, I mean scarab, to find Amit's tomb, the Ashrapti in the in the desert. Uh, sorry for butchering that. I scrolled past where that was actually spelled out. Uh, there is a character who I did not know his name was Bobby, but another character warns Harrow that Mark Spector has been spotted in Cairo and that he's tracking them. Uh, Harrow is not worried, and we flash back to uh, Mark Spector, who is looking uh, for leads uh, using a little bit of detective work. You know, if they're looking to dig in Cairo, they're going to need a crew. It's not going to be one person. It, this part was very Indiana Jones to me. Yeah. I don't know if you got that feeling. Oh, totally. You know, running around Cairo looking for clues as to you know where where uh, the Nazis, I mean Harrow, ran off to. Yeah, in fact, one of the uh, right. Easter egg videos that I, that I watched pretty much broke down. They had a side by side comparison of the parts of Indiana Jones in this. Okay. Yeah. And also, the, right. the person that uh, that warned Harrow was that one of those detectives. It was basically those, those two detectives. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. Okay. I mean, you know, I guess we were supposed to recognize them, but I didn't recognize it right away. Right. So, 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 uh, 
Mark gets a lead on Harrow's group, but this lead is unfortunately stabbed to death by Harrow's followers. And he, you're able to see that they're Harrow's followers because they have the uh, the Amit sigil on their wrists. Mark Spector takes them on without putting on the Moon Knight armor. And uh, at this point, they're, uh, you know, he's fighting them with, uh, you know, basically hand to hand with uh, the bad guys using blades. And Mark's able to, to, to uh, disarm one of them and get a blade. But in the midst of fighting, he sees a reflection of Stephen Grant in the mirror, in the, in, in the reflection, that is, on the knife. And Stephen is saying, don't, ki- you know, don't hurt them. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Go away, you know, alter personality. <laughs> You know, you're not going to live if you don't let this guy do his thing. He found that out later. Exactly. So ultimately, Mark blacks out and reawakens in a taxi cab and learns that he's been that he told the driver to go to the airport. And when he jumps out, uh, you know, and, and, and when they pull up to uh, uh, to a stop, he sees the guys that he was fighting. And they're like, oh, man, we don't want that smoke. They're backing away. They're trying to run. And Mark jumps out and, and chases after them. And ultimately, uh, he's following them, and Black Mark blacks out while he's following them, and he he reawakens in a deserted uh, part of the town of of Cairo, of the city of Cairo, and he's basically stabbing one of the uh, the, the, the 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 supposed bad guys. So now you've got three dead Amit followers, and Mark does not know what just happened. Mark blames Stephen for the whole thing, but Stephen's like, man, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And they actually say, I think he says out loud, uh, blame that stupid pigeon. <laughs> and I'm like, really? That's what we're going to call Khonshu? Yeah. I'm so, I'll say real quick that I'm not, so I know there are people that are saying that was probably Khonshu that was, that was doing most of that stuff. And I'm kind no. of wondering, and that's supposed to be Jake Lockley coming in, yeah, starting to come into the fold. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be one of the other, you know, I forget how many identities Mark Spector, you know, the, the Moon Knight has. Well, technically, I guess if you count Mr. Knight four, but but I think it's only been like three. My understanding is that it was three pre Mr. Knight. Right. So, you know, right. I'm going to work under the presumption that it, it is, in fact, the reveal or the tease of Jake Lockley. Well, I guess if yeah, I guess if you count Mark as the main the the the, the main personality, then the other two then are the uh, aspects. Yeah, sure. Right. Gotcha. Right. So, you know, we 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 uh, we transition to Conchu uh, realizing that hey, um, you know, we we're going to need some help here. So he basically works on getting the attention of the other members of the Ennead to uh, to basically give them a hand and stop Harrow from uh, raising Amit. And what he does is, what Khonshu does is use his, his power with a little bit of uh, Mark Spector's help to trigger a sudden eclipse over all of Cairo. And while he and when he does that, uh, a bunch of there's a signal that basically that a bunch of the avatars of all the Egyptian gods are being gathered, and 
uh, he, he conjured gears mark a warning that at the last meeting with the gods, he was banished. With the gods, he was banished. So Mark has to make a case against Harrow that must be indisputable. This is going to come up later. So a tunnel leads into the chamber of the gods, and Mark sees that he is going into a big chamber. And Stephen, uh, in a reflection, says that they're apparently within the Great Pyramids of Giza. So, you know, that was a, a nice little uh, shout out to actual, e you know, Egyptian uh, geography here. Uh, Mark runs. In, uh, Mark immediately meets Yatsil, the avatar of Hathor, who comments that Kanchu's theatrics are unparalleled. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, mm -hmm. like literally pulling a. Uh, 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 a lunar eclipse out right in the middle of the day. There are other avatars there. Uh, surprisingly, only a few of them are actually either Egyptian and or African. So that was something that I noticed. Mm -hmm. So in attendance are Horus, Isis, as opposed to saying Isis. I wonder if Isis is actually the correct pronunciation. So I went and looked that up, and um, pronunciations I've seen pretty much still say Isis. That's what I thought. I'm like, Chuck D wouldn't have told us wrong. Right, and I was like, that was an interesting choice for, I mean, and maybe that was something with that, they, that, with that character or something, mm -hmm. but I was like, yeah, because I thought about that too, and I was like, that's kind of weird that you would put the emphasis, uh, different, or different emphasis on that, but I guess there's probably a reason for it. Yeah. So, as I said, in attendance are Horus, Isis, or Isis, Tefnut, Osiris, and Hathor. And they're going to hear what Khonshu has to say. Um, they also say that they're going to imprison him in stone the next time he puts on a garish display in the night sky. <laughs> yeah. So, Khonshu uh, fires back and says that he was initially banished before because he refused to abandon humanity like the rest of them. He's very much like Prometheus. Um, Kanchu warns that they'll lose this realm if they don't take action. So Kanchu uses Mark Spector to plead his case, and he doesn't take it from the lawyer on the panel, folks. He does not make a very good case. <laughs> no, it's a the, terrible case. I'm like, from what, the what the heck is this? Even from the not lawyer on this panel, yeah, he he did not show himself quite well at all. That was bad. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of opening statement? What kind of you know laying out the facts? That's just bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. But the way the fun the way they had Miles Isaac Isaac um, uh, talking during that whole thing was kind of funny though. They just had a projected voice. <laughs> exactly. So uh, the Ennead basically brings Harrow to Arthur Harrow to the Chamber of the Gods, and at this point, he uh, uh, Arthur Harrow gaslights the entire group of the Ennead. That is, there is no other way to put it. Pretty he much. was basically saying, you know what? This guy's a liar. And he's not right in the head. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. Really? Played him. Wow. You know? And, you know, uh, Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant is basically, is ba you know, basically comes out and says, so what if there's something wrong with me? That doesn't change what he does. But, of course, the Ennead don't take that for what it really is. Mm-hmm. Horus actually asks, Horus's avatar asks, actually asks Mark Spector if he's unwell. So what can you do? Right. You know? 
But but that whole part where he says, "Well, what if I am unwell?" doesn't mean that Harrow's not dangerous, right? Like just because this. So this, without investigating, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, just because this is this, that doesn't mean you know something's still not wrong, right? So without investigating any further, right? Without gathering any evidence, just based on this dude's, I didn't do it. You know, he, you know, uh, this guy's crazy. With that being his only defense, that any other like, yeah, well, you know what? We believe you. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Yatsil, the avatar of Yatsil, uh, uh, well, well, what it is is they let they let uh, uh, Harrow go, but we'll see him soon. Yatsil tells Mark that there's another way to prove the case, and. Uh, she tells Mark to find someone named Senfu who was tasked with recording the location of the tomb. And he's told to find Senfu's sarcophagus and you'll find Amit's tomb. And the information he gets is that the sarcophagus was stolen and sold on the black market. On the search for the bizarre, on the search for Senfu's sarcophagus, Mark Spector finds himself in a crowded bazaar and he's asking, you know, just uh, randos for, for information. And Layla comes up behind him and says that no one's going to talk to Mark because he's not Egyptian. And uh, Layla says, I'm going to help you, you know, regardless of, of the situation that, we're, that uh, we've all found ourselves in. Layla and Mark then take a boat to uh, the home of an Anton Mogart who is Gambit. a character... I'm sorry? Gambit. That dude looks like Gambit. I don't care what you say. And that's the, I, know, I know that's the dude that, 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 that died. Uh, I think we talked about it. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you, uh, cut you off. But. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about, uh, like, that interruption was unwarranted. I'm like, who's Gambit? <laughs> <laughs> no, because... It, like, like, what you, are you talking about? Wait, you didn't, so you didn't, get, you didn't get that sense that he looked, that he looked like Gambit? No. Oh, What's this dude's well. name? Um, Anton Mogart, but his, his name is uh, Gaspar Uriel. I think uh, he uh, he didn't play ga- Gambit at all. But I think when he when he died uh, a few months ago, because they they talked about that when during uh, before this uh, before Moon Knight started that he had died after uh, mm-hmm. they had died during a skiing accident. And I, I know we talked about it on the show. Yeah, yeah, we did mention it. We did yeah, we definitely mentioned it. And I, and I, I just said, didn't see him as. You know what it is is because of the way he was made to look in this in, in moon Knight, he didn't right. strike me as gambit i think he looks like gambit in like some of his regular photos right with the longer hair so that's why i was just like what are you talking about gambit yeah, okay, saying, now like, I he remember. Just, like he straight up looks like he he straight up looked like gambit to me but anyway sorry uh but gotcha, and yeah gotcha. anti mogart is and apparently this is a deep cut from the from the comics uh midnight man or something yeah i mean this this series is full of the deepest cuts yeah and at this point um uh, you know they're they're looking to uh, to to uh, to speak to uh, Anton Mogart because he's the one that has obtained the sarcophagus. Um, when they get to Mogart's mansion, Layla sees someone that she recognized, and apparently, Layla had some dealings in Madripoor with uh, Mogart and Beck. And uh, there's a lot for them to catch up on. So this is now the second reference to Madripoor in the MCU. The first one coming in 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So that locale is sure to pop up in the immediate future of the MCU. So the cover story that Mark Spector has in this episode is that he is playing Layla's husband, Rufino Estrada, which is probably a nod to Oscar Isaac's uh, Spanish roots. Mm. And <clears throat> at this point, they're able to approach um, the sarcophagus and Layla asks Mark to let Stephen take control because Stephen will be able to understand what they're looking at. So, but Stephen uh, eventually is allowed to take control when Mark can't figure out what to do uh, with the sarcophagus. And so, um, Stephen guides Mark to fold some of the what's uh, what's called the cartonnage, the uh, the 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 cloth layerings on top of the sarcophagus. And so by folding them, they're able to, he's able to basically reconstruct a star chart at this point though. They see that uh, the, the guards see that uh, Mark slash Steven is messing with the sarcophagus and they're ready to uh, take them down. Uh, so at this point, uh, a brawl may ensue. But then a third party comes, and guess who? None other than Arthur Harrow. So, of course, Arthur Harrow also knows that this is a way to... that. You know, I'm not sure how we get to this part. I was like, what is this guy doing here? He has the compass. He's got the golden snitch. Right, I was but, I believe, but, he, but I believe he had people following them, following them just to see what they were up to. Right, but what's he doing there? He should be digging. I guess there's there's just taking time from the dig, right? Well, I mean, you basically covering bases, I guess. That's what, <clears> that's my assumption. It's like you, you want to make sure that he's you know nobody that uh, they're not gonna they're not gonna mess with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I see it is that once they have the actual location, thanks to the golden snitch scarab, <laughs> he can trade. You know what he does here is say that well. He's basically looking to cut off any other sources mm-hmm. that might be that might provide information to the location of Amit's tomb, right. and so that's what he's doing here. He can give, uh, you know, now that he's got the location of the tomb, he can give the the the, the scarab to um, to Mogart and take the sarcophagus and you know take that additional source of information away. You know, I don't know if the if the uh, the scarab will continue to go back to Ahmed's tomb now that it's revealed the tomb to Harold. That's you know that's unknown. But at this point, uh, oh, there's some some deeper there's, there's some deeper stuff in here that we're not going to talk about. Some spoilery stuff here, mm-hmm. but um, you know, basically Harrow is dealing with uh, with Mogart, but then uh, ultimately. A fight breaks out as Harrow demonstrates his power with his, uh, you know, with his cane um, and destroys the sarcophagus. You know, luckily for Moon Knight, the uh, the cartonnage is still intact and they're able to retrieve that. But Moon Knight has to uh, uh, robe up, as it were. Uh, first, he suits up in the Mr. Knight persona, but then he has to take on the actual full Moon Knight garb and uh, take on a bunch of these spear-carrying uh, 
I, I heard it referred to as fencing, like a, a form of fencing. Kind They're just of. a bunch of dudes on horses and spears. Well, yeah, so, it's, it's, yeah, and actually, he was he was actually in the Moon Knight costume first before Steven took over, like a like a dunce, and then the spears happened. He was like, "All right, take over, take over, take over." Right, right, right. He's like, oh, 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 I can't handle this, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, all right. Yeah, no, there's a lot to this part of the episode. The, yeah, you know, that's why this particular part good of the fight, recap yeah. is kind of dense. So I'm kind of trying to skip over anything that's like too deep and too yeah. spoilery. Yeah, basically, the big fight scene happened. All right. Yeah, Roddy Cat's enjoying me having to like filter <laughs> through this. Yes. Yeah, he's chuckling. I'll get him back at some point. Hey, look! I did uh, it last week. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, this one is this one is dense. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so Mark and Layla eventually get away in uh, you know in a stolen car, and. Layla and Mark are trying to put together the, the, the pieces of the cartonnage and they're getting frustrated. And again, Layla says they need Steven. And uh, Steven eventually is given control of the body and he figures out what they need. And what he needs is um, a way to figure out what the stars looked like back when the map was originally uh, drafted. And that was, you know, several thousand years in the past. And so uh, Khonshu basically says, comes, uh, appears himself and says, he remembers that night and he turns the night sky back to the night to, to, so that the positioning of the stars would be the same 2000 years prior. And uh, at this point, they're able to 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 uh, to, to figure out where the uh, the tomb is. Meanwhile, Harrow sees this and figures out that uh, you know things are still moving, things are afoot, and. Uh, in the uh, in the chamber of the gods, the Ennead have started imprisoning Conchu for uh, violating the sky, and you know basically uh, turning him into stone. Layla is locking the coordinates, has locked the coordinates, and Conchu's uh, grip on the night sky loosens as he's being pulled into that stone into the into a stone form in the chamber of the gods, and. Uh, at this point, we find that Arthur Harrow has been speaking with the Avatar of Osiris, who confirms that uh, Harrow's uh, statements on Conchu were correct and he's been imprisoned as a result. And let's see. All right. And he's basically – and Harrow basically ends the episode with uh, – with a statement basically speaking to Khonshu, you know, in absentia, saying that uh, he he confesses that he enjoyed dealing out pain on Khonshu's behalf, 
And uh, he says that he's thankful to Kanchu for breaking Hara's spirit because he can now achieve what Kanchu could not. So that's a tease for the next episode. So sorry for the uh, the kind of broken uh, synopsis of this because there is definitely a lot more to this episode uh, when you're reading uh, a blow-by-blow blow synopsis as opposed to watching it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot more to it. Right. So, a couple of things. Um, one, missed opportunity. Because, uh, as Agent 70 will probably it will know, uh, Mark Spexter used to have a big stone statue of Kanshu in, uh, uh, in his possession that I was kind of almost hoping they were going to use for that stone for that stone thing, but I understand. I know why they wouldn't go to that particular one. You know the one, the the one that they used to have in the comics, the uh, 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 the the big sarcophagus looking thing that they used to have of uh, Kanshu. I mean, there have been different. You know, from what I recall in the comics, they uh, from what I remember, he either had it in his apartment, in right. his home base, or like he would find one in like a, a museum, right? You know. So yeah, I mean, I guess they—it's just a different form, right? It is, but I was like, I was kind of oh, yeah. Well, like you said, we're we're used to seeing it in like kind of a sarcophagus type form, like a standing, like standing up, right? And I was kind of hoping, I was like, oh, are we going to see that the, the, that as a callback? No, we did not. Uh, two, uh, Osiris's avatar, his name is Salim, which is backwards for Miles, which means Miles Morales in the MCU. We got it. Not really, but I just want yeah, to not so much, <laughs> not so much. On I know that there's one. there's people with rampant speculation, but I just thought I'd throw that one out there because we also Salim does actually get mentioned in the comic book we're going to talk about later on. Anyway, um, I guess about yeah, I mean it was alright episode. I, I can't remember anything else. Was, uh, you know anything? You know the whole Kanshu. Oh well, yeah, I guess the the, the part where Kanshu tells uh, Stephen is like, hey, tell Mark to come free me that part so we're gonna i guess we're going to also get that uh which is uh, um as i recall the thing from the comics because it's not the first time you know mark has been without conscious aid and i guess they even foretold it early in the episode because there was a there was a line from conscious like you see how see how well you do without my healing robes or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. so uh but i suspect that probably won't take that probably won't be that long uh, without it, because then, you know, I don't know, he's just a dude in a suit that he, I guess he can't summon <laughs> at this point, now that I think about it. So, anyway, but yeah, that right. was, that was I mean, that, that, you know, what I was going to say is hopefully that doesn't mean that we're going to actually be without the Moon Knight hero for more than an episode. Yeah, no, I doubt it. We'll probably have him back by the end of the next, uh, the next episode. Yeah, I would hope so because yeah. you know that's a lot of time to not see the actual hero of the story. Right. I mean, you know, they do that. Some, they, they, you know, you've you've seen the, uh, comic book stories where they've done that. It was like, yeah, to see who he was without the suit or something or without his powers or whatever the case may be, or mm-hmm. without their powers or whatever for some length of time. And since we only got epi- six episodes, they, they can't stretch that out too terribly long because they got to keep pushing. I hope. Yeah. That's the- so, but like that. Got a. Uh, it was a good episode. Um, it it you know gave a good bit of exposition. Uh, we'll see where the next uh, episode takes us uh, next week. Uh, I guess. And oh, the, at the end of the episode, there was a, a tribute to the Gaspar uh, Gaspar uh, Uriel because you know, like you said already, he had uh, passed away a couple of months ago. 
Yeah, after filming his uh, his part, so right. So, which is you know, also weird because like the, the the character he played in this episode also died. So, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, um, or we assume that the case anyway. Uh, but regardless, um. But yeah, that's that. Like I said, we got another episode next week. Um, yeah, we're gonna push right on to the comics unless you got something else to uh, your in passing. Nope. Cool. We'll move on to comics with um, what did we say? Black Panther number five. As I try to pull up, um, oops, as I pull up the cover. All right. You want to put the Black Panther up? number five is written by John Ridley with art by Juan Cabal and Stefano Landini. Colors are by Matt Milla and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this issue is, it seems to be, um, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not a finale to this opening arc, hmm. right? But what it does do is, it, it puts together the you know it, it it lays out what I think is going to be this opening story better than the opening first four issues kind of you know uh, kind of did although there was a, definitely a tease to the events of the story in the first four issues namely that. Uh, this sleeper cell program that T'Challa had put together was going to come back and bite him at some point. Like the fact that he had it operating while um, and and had not revealed it to the burgeoning democracy that is trying to uh, to uh, uh, to take root in Wakanda was going to come back and bite him. And that's essentially what happens here in the story. Yeah, and we had talked about this in the news in prior uh, prior episodes about this happening, or about probably what 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 the I guess the crux of this uh, ends up what ends up happening here. So it wasn't a surprise that this was coming, but now we get the the hows and the whys, or you know what sparks that. Which, like uh, Agent Seventy said, yeah, we kind of got glimpses of in the last four episodes uh, issues. Excuse me, but now we actually get it in reality. Right. You know, we get the tease that, oh, this isn't going to play well. This, you know, people aren't going to like hearing about this. And it finally come in all of the stuff that basically led to this information coming to light in the first four, uh, four issues basically comes to a head in the here in the fifth issue. And now we get, uh, you know, uh, a mild spoilers here T'Challa on the outs. Yeah, which actually is not, I mean, you know, you've seen, I mean, if you've seen The Fugitive or any movies like that, you know, or, or any movie where, hey, the the protagonist is, is uh, wrongly accused or on the run for whatever reason trying to clear his name or clear whatever, it's one of those. It, it, it's, it's really not the first time they've done this with T'Challa either. Right. It's not. So it's, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you know, what's funny is that I read a, a few comments of, uh, on this book uh, after I read it, mm-hmm. and some 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 commenters were disappointed that the the current run of Black Panther is kind of continuing some of the the, the palace intrigue stuff mm. that was big in the uh, the Coates run, and we're not getting much in the way of like superhero ing or or, or adventure ing just yet, right. and. I wonder if Ridley's going to take too long before he kind of 
takes a small break from the Wakanda stuff, the Wakanda palace intrigue, and kind of goes and, and does like a superhero story. That might be another six issues, maybe another four issues, depending on, you know, how this trade breaks down. Mm-hmm. Because if this is issue five, and this is probably going to go 10 to 12 issues, that might be how long this initial story arc lasts. And we may not get like a... Not that there's a traditional superhero Black Panther story, but a more superhero style story. Right. You know, we may not get one for a while here. Yeah, yeah, there is. And there was that point, and I get that. And so, yeah, well, I guess we'll have to, it's, it's a wait and see until, unless we find out, you know, something in Solicis that, that, uh. Yeah, like whether or not they're going to, to, to change gears. Right. Because, I, you know, I, I, I kind of felt, you know, I, I felt a little sympathy for that, for that bit of commentary because mm-hmm. the Coates run really was, especially with the intergalactic empire where i kind of fell off reading it too i was like yeah there's a lot of this palace intrigue stuff like even on an intergalactic scale right and you know and it, and it does tend towards the heavy you know uh you know he- like a heavy type of storytelling and and, and uh remembering character names when you know every once in a while you just want a little bit of you know rock'em sock'em robots action right. just a, just a little just a little oh yeah totally no i, I totally get that and yeah and yeah this this seems like a retread of you know now granted Some it's, of, right? It's, you're right well let me phrase that it's a retread if you read that run if you're just coming into this new this is this is brand new to you so i that's not that's not an excuse that that's just 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 a fact you know it, it is not new to us because we read that stuff right. and 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 the commenters uh therein so yeah this does kind of start to seem uh like a bit of a retread yeah, uh, maybe not a retread, but just more of the same. Right. You know, like it's, you know, obviously this is a continuation, right, of mm-hmm. where Coates left the book. You know, it's obviously picking up from where Coates left the book and Wakanda has, you know, is moving towards being a fledgling democracy. And Ridley picked that ball up and is now running with it. And that's fine. Right. But now we're getting even more of kind of the same, you know, Game of Thrones, Palace Intrigue stuff. And it gets a little bit. You know, it's it's like, you know, while it's the logical continuation, it's still it's still you know more the same type of story in the same vein. And I I I I I felt that that bit of criticism saying that. Well, you know what? Yeah. Be nice to get like a superhero story in here. Yeah, yeah, totally get that. So, but yeah, that's Black Bath for number five. Um, we'll we'll see where it goes. Uh, next book on the uh, agenda is. Uh, Miles Morales, num- uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number thirty-seven. So this book is written by Saladin Ahmed, with art by Christopher Allen, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So if you have not been keeping up with uh, Miles's story in his own solo title, right now it's a it, it's a it's a team-up book. It's Miles and uh, glurp. I mean, shift. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he's glurp for me. You know, to me. <laughs> so, because that's all he says is glurp. Right. So it's not even you know I am group. It's just glurp. So. Oh gosh, I hope that's not that's not the reason why they had him do that. What? That 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 they're going for that that group thing with uh with shift. 
Oh, I don't know. Now that you say I, that, I'm no, like, you know what? That's, it's something worth asking Saladin Ahmed when you see him next, right? right. Hopefully yeah. you'll see him at a con before I do. You know, I probably won't see him at anything before New York Comic Con if he's able to come. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that, that's not in the cards at this point, but we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. Right. So, so, so basically this, this issue is, um, let me, let me backtrack just a little bit. So mm-hmm. Miles is on a, a multi interdimensional quest to find out what happened to his version of, uh, uncle Aaron, the, uh, the second, 616 Prowler. Not the first. That's not Hobie. Right. But it's the second one. And he's on a quest to find out what happened. And he runs into uh, his counterpart from the Ultimates Earth, which is Ma- which is uh, Ultimatum. And uh, I will let Roddy Cat pick it up from there because there's some revelations while they're running around in uh the in between as it were right well so technically that miles is from the six one the actually from the 616 whereas miles our miles is from the ultimate universe but i get what you're saying yeah because he because i think he did kind of shift over for whatever that whole ultimatum thing is weird to me i don't know either way um so yeah so they uh Shift and Miles and and Ultimatum get into a fight, uh, but um, because Ultimatum's like, yeah, I've been here for a while and I've seen some things and this and that and the other, and uh, you know, and your hey, your uncle kind of went into this this other dimensional hole and it's it's asking for a Miles Morales, but not me, so I didn't go in there and this and that and other, which lead, which basically, uh, you know. Almost literally getting, getting pushed by an ultimatum <laughs> into that said hole, uh, and uh, while they and while they're in that uh, going through that dimensional hole, um, they see pretty much shades of, um, actually what we talked about last week in the news. Um, we are uh, actually in the last couple of weeks out of them because there's been a couple of news stories about it. But that being said, we get shades of a different history than what Miles knows about uh, that uh, sees a couple of different things happening. And um, and uh, speaking of Salim, uh, Salim, uh, you know, kind of shows up during this, these uh, pages. And uh, which leads us at the end of this issue um, going into this new arc, which is um, which is going to see Salem basically as the 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 the, the big bad guy and the the, uh, the guy at the top of this empire um, that Miles is in this dimension that Miles is going to go into. And uh, apparently something with uh, Miles' little sister is um, involved that we're also going to see. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Because if you know, we already talked about it in the news last week. So, yeah. So, this pretty much is the, the kickoff of, of that whole thing. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that next uh, next issue. Right. I mean, it's Miles and Glurp. I mean, Shift. Uh, in his version of a trip down Spider Verse Lane, yeah, pretty much. 
or a, or I guess another what if, which I now that I think about it, I didn't read that what if from this week, but um, but and you know what, you know, and and it's funny that I'm glad that you refreshed my memory because I I did forget that the 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 ultimatum miles is the act was the miles that was in the six one six before mm-hmm. uh, Secret Wars, right, and um. You know, it 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 it's it does stand to reason that Miles would be on his own Spider Verse type quest, given his origin in the Ultimate Universe and his shifting over, you know, and having that like in you know that that you know that um, you know having that like uh, uh, you know just you know by his very by the character's very nature being of another universe being part of the multiverse the greater multiverse so it makes sense that he would be on this kind of uh, uh journey as it were right much more so than peter yeah right um but as we know peter has gone on this trip and miles at this point has gone on this trip a, a couple of different times right <laughs> in stories that roddy cat has not yet read yeah yeah that's true i still haven't finished off uh, spider verse um or that other one yeah, so you're right. <laughs> I get to him. He'll be there. Uh, at either rate, uh, we are in the here and now, and this is where Miles is and uh, where he's going forward. So we'll see how that plays out in, in forthcoming issues, even though we already know some stuff. Um, at this point, unless you got something else to say about it, we can go to Rapid. No, we're going to Rapid Fire because you have a bunch of books to get through. Mm-hmm. And I only have a few, so I will lead off once okay. we hear from uh, Blaine, a.k.a. Jesse the Body Ventura. I ain't got time to bleed. All right, rapid fire from me. First up is Green Lantern number 12. It's written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci. Colors by Mike Atie and... Letters by Rob Lee. So this is the grand finale to the opening story arc by Jeffrey Thorne. And it does set things on a path forward while putting some things back in a different way from how he found them. He does, in fact, restore some things that were lost over the course of these first 12 issues. In addition, uh, he sends Jon Stewart on... A path up until this point was something that wasn't familiar, right? This is definitely an unfamiliar path for Jon Stewart to go down. And he's led down this path by none other than Jack Kirby, a.k.a. the representation and manifestation of the source power behind the source wall. And if you're looking at this issue, it's a mild spoiler but it's uh, it, it's a it's it's you know not that big a deal knowing that um, the art team here decided to depict the power behind the source wall, the actual source power, as being uh, Jack Kirby. So um, you know this is this was an interesting issue. As I said, it definitely sets up a different status quo and 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 restores some things while still keeping other aspects of what. Jeffrey Thorne changed in the first 12 issues moving forward. Quick question. Next we, up. Quick, quick question. Yeah. Did we know that the, that whole Jack Kirby thing was just kind of cute, but also kind of, eh. uh, I'm not, eh, you know, give respect, but did we know that, that that's who that was before this, or this is where they introduced that. 
This is why they introduced it. Okay. I didn't know. It's just meant to be a, uh, 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 you know, it's it's meant to bear some similarities. It's not the sure. first time that we've seen Jack Kirby being uh, given, you know, the the image of Jack Kirby representing the uh, the the you know like a, a greater spiritual force in the sure. Fantastic Four. They had uh, uh, Jack Kirby as the face of God. Right. Oh yeah, true. But but I don't know the source wall and this Jack Kirby and like the source and like yeah, we get it. All right. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. All right. Next up is Eternals number 11. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Guiyu Villanova uh, or Villanova and colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So Judgment Day is coming. And this is the first salvo between the Eternals and the Avengers. Um, you know, we're, we've yet to see how the X-Men are going to play into this. But ultimately in this issue, we're getting more of... More, there's more of a description. There's more uh, meat added to the story when it comes to what um, what the Eternals' beef with the Avengers is. You know, it's been teased, but ultimately, this issue really shows you know what problem the Eternals might have with the Avengers because basically, they're used. You know, the Eternals are on a, a a delay mission while one of the Eternals that plays a central role in the movie is tasked with uh, getting information. And, uh, you know, this part of the story revolves around the fact that the Avengers currently use a dead Eternal as their current base. So, uh, you know, this is, you know, it's an interesting read. I don't know if uh, Roddy Cat's ever going to take a look at 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 this, maybe as a as a as a a, a way to catch up on what's going on pre uh, before this whole Judgment Day story. Yeah, I will. So you know, it's it, it's it's okay. It's nothing. You know, the, 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 they they do have to bring in Thanos because he is, of course, an Eternal, just a, of a different you know of a different strain. But uh, you know, he's there. Um, you know, it's not a bad read. Uh, you know, I, I, I give Kieran Gillen credit for kind of ramping things up uh, uh, these past issues with the action because a lot of the stuff that was very Thanos centric was was tough to read because he's setting up a reason for Thanos to be there. So, last but not least is X Men number ten. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Javier Pena. Colors by Marte Gracia and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So uh, this issue is, I don't want to say filler because it was interesting, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the reappearance of a longtime X-Men villain who turns out to not be so villainous, but is in fact a subject, a test subject who has become a test subject of the Orcus scientists. And, you know, if you're not familiar with Orcus, that is, you know, a group of uh, mostly human scientists who are basically taking up arms and research against the, uh, the the, the, the reinvigorated mutant race, especially as the result of the founding of Krakoa. So, Orcus uh, has kept this particular X-Men villain uh, and the X-Men by pure accident are able to uh, do, you know, very X-Men heroic rescue things. 
And that is, you know, it, it definitely plays into the greater story around uh, uh, Orcus and setting up Orcus as, as um, you know, as we head towards that. But then when we get to um, the ending of this issue, we're going into space yet again. And it's, uh, you know, it's definitely kind of a weird turn of events at the end of the issue. You know, there's a a, a, a a guest appearance by a guardian of the galaxy, as it were, and you know, ultimately we're 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 left to figure out how this is all going to tie together. It's a little bit all over the place, but uh, you know, X Men right now is a little bit all over the place. That's one of the the weaker sides of this story of this of this greater story because now that they're in. They're on Araco, you know, the now colonized and reinvigorated Mars. It really does put the X-Men all over the place. There's just a lot of things going on and a lot of moving pieces to keep track of. So it's hard to really know. It's hard to keep a track to keep track of what's going on in the X-Men books right now. And that's it for me. Yeah, that's true. Um, hopefully they're going to reshape that at some point or at least put everything i guess after the next um gala who knows what's gonna happen and probably after they uh uh the x-men but anyway uh for me captain carter number two of five um i think uh creative team is writer jamie McElvey, art uh, by Mar- marika cresta color artist eric arseniega letters by vcs clayton cowls so hydra's back in full force and apparently um uh um captain carter and betty betsy braddock have their hands full with not only them but having to deal with the the government's handling of of uh missions they they take care of and betsy uh and and uh not betsy excuse me peggy being out of time, not knowing how the current government fully works because she's only been told what she's told, but she that she kind of gets filled in by her neighbors uh, in the course of this uh, and goes to try to change things, which uh, the uh, certain government official that she's dealing with uh, is not liking uh, and uh, is pretty much set to uh, shut up, uh, shut Peggy and uh, Betsy Braddock up uh, in this universe. So that that's pretty much that. So this is you know, I don't know why for some strange reason I was expecting it to kind of go full. There is actually a what if moment. I was, I was expecting this kind of go full what if uh, episode one uh, because there is um, like there's no Black Widow, but I guess that's what Be- uh, Betsy Braddock is, is here for uh, in that respect. But there is a fight with a certain Leaper that uh, doesn't end the same way that it did in that what if um, episode or either one or, or in the movies either. So, uh, which was kind of amusing. I, I, I kind of likened it to Indiana Jones, but that's it's only slightly. So that was kind of funny. Uh, next up, Batman 89, number five of six. Uh, shoot. I knew that was going to happen. While I try to shoop, 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 shoop,
uh, written by Sam Ham, art by Joe Quinones, uh, colors by Leonardo Ito, and letters by Clayton Cowles. So yeah, we got one more issue left of uh, of this uh, here mini series. I'm not sure what they were trying to do with this. Honestly, I mean, I was I, obviously it's a story set in uh, after well after the events of uh, Batman '89. Uh, it is Keaton's Batman uh, in the role. This is actually after. Uh, Batman Returns, I believe, uh, whichever one though, was the second one, because Catwoman's still around, and so then the, there's a new Robin with this dude that's not too Duke, um, that's not Duke, um, but I think they've all but not called him Robin in this particular case, uh, and they're going after Two Face, who is Harvey Dent, who is played by Billy D. Williams, as he probably would have been in if the movies kind of uh, kept going. With uh, with that Batman eighty nine instead of going with uh, Tommy Lee Jones, so, um, but basically a couple of things that happened in this is that uh, uh, well and also in this world apparently Barbara Gordon was dating Harvey Dent as opposed to whoever it was in the animated series, so she's still trying to bring Two Face who's trying to kind of out and about uh, who has a plan to rob the police. Uh, Barbara tries to take him in that doesn't work out. Uh, and the commissioner, Gordon, kind of takes one for the team uh, in, in a way at the end of this. Uh, not sure if if it's fatal, but it seemed like it might be. But uh, I guess we'll find out uh, in the next issue. Uh, next up, I Am Batman, number eight. Written by... Oops, Oh, boy, Agent Seven, I gotta send you something because uh, something see, I'm so sure you will appreciate uh, was in the covers this week. Uh, but yeah, I am Batman number eight, uh, written by John Ridley, art by Kristen Deuce, uh, colors by Rex Locus, art by I'm excuse me, letters by ALW's Troy Terry. So, um, Jace's Batman has been chasing this uh, this one killer. And he meets him in this episode, and it doesn't go well for Jace uh, at all. In fact, he ends up retreating because of the fact that um, uh, dude gets the better hand, uh, better gets the better of him early and often, uh, which kind of leaves Jace a little bit shook. Uh, so he retreats and kind of regroups. Um, and meanwhile, uh, the the killer kind of goes after. Um, speaking of the commissioner, goes after the com- commissioner of New York. And that um, might uh, that kind of sparks off a whole nother thing that Jace is going to have to deal with um, going forward. And as I say in my notes, that that, that commissioner kind of had it going because he is not Commissioner Gordon, let's just say. Uh, but also, it, it um, probably there are some things that you've seen in movie theaters about certain uh, aspects and and in real life uh, about the police and what they think about certain things and how they handle certain things that kind of come out in this particular issue because of, uh, of this. And it's like, yeah, okay, really? We we I see what you're doing here. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's going to end up being a problem for, for Jason going forward. Um, next up, Wonder Woman 786, which is, uh, part five of trial of the, uh, Amazons. Um, uh, Written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Clonan, art by Rossi uh, Campy, 
and Becky Clonan, uh, colors by Marissa Louise, and letters by Pat Brousseau. So, like I said, uh, it's, it's part five of Trial of Amazons, and the the contest begins in earnest, but not necessarily in the way that anybody expected, because there is someone behind the scenes that's kind of um, uh, doing some things, and it has something to do with uh, uh, Doom's Doorway, as far as I know, but um, uh, the, are all of the champions involved have to work, end up having to work together uh, to get out of their predicament, and one is... Um, might have been left behind, so I don't know if this is if if this is it for that particular person, or or uh, you know just whatever's going to happen next. May have something to do with the namesake of this book. Let's just say, um, but yeah, that still continues to be a a, a thing that's going on. Still kind of interesting, also. Uh, Star Wars number twenty two. Ding. To give me nothing but heck. Uh, Star Wars number 22, written by Charles Soule, art by Ramon Rosanas, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So basically, there's a meeting between uh, Kira and Leia on the, um, uh, on the, um, the, the, um, the Alliance's uh, flagship. Kira comes bearing gifts. Obviously, Leia's doesn't, Leia doesn't uh, really trust her, but, you know, kind of got his takes with Gint. On the other side of this, there's a whole um, rescue mission of uh, Shara Bay, who's uh, in uh, Imperial custody, uh, that Leia, Leia didn't know about until uh, this, this uh, particular issue. Uh, and then there's... Uh, Apparently, a danger room uh, mission that Chewie—not uh, danger room mission, but a, a danger room that Chewie trains in to try to go and get Han. So, there's a whole lot happened in this issue. Um, like, I didn't even know if they even had that kind of technology. But so, while what's on the cover it does happen, but doesn't necessarily happen like that. But it was a cool scene to to, to watch Chewie just kind of let loose. Yeah. Um, um. Through through the the or. Think he think he went through. Uh, let's see. Star Wars Darth Vader number twenty two. And did I not get that? I guess I did not. Oh well. Um, let's see. Greg Park writer art by Raffaella Raffaella Ayinko. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Colors by Alex and Claire and letters by BC's Joe Caramagna. Um, for some strange reason, Vader is taken over or maybe taken over Crimson Dawn for some reason, but he's trying to persuade Sabe, who's, uh, Padme's, uh, handmaiden, uh, and Ochi by taking them to this planet where she tried to trap him at one point and they come to some sort of an understanding, let's say. Uh, and it kind of goes forth from there. I'm not entirely sure where this part is going. Um, but there was a lot of things that, that happened in the course of this issue. Um, um, uh, with, the various parts of, uh, Vader's teams and Crimson Dawn and the Empire and whatnot. So, yeah, um, I, I will just leave that for folks to, to, uh, to, to find out or to go through. But it's still that Crimson Rain uh, storyline that I'm still not the part of, which I'm still not entirely sure about. 
Um, next up. G.I. Joe, uh, Real American Hero 40th uh, Anniversary Special. I believe Andrew 70 uh, took a peek at this as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm really familiar with the story. So, yeah. And this is not actually the first time that they've done like a re, uh, a retelling of it. Right. You know, with different art. Right. So, and basically, yeah, so it is the 40th anniversary special. The, uh, it's written by Larry Harma and a bunch of art by different people. Basically, it's uh, the retelling, another retelling of Silent Interlude with the different art and different, with different arches doing different pages. They also reprinted the original story um, uh, in, in here also. Like, if you haven't read Silent Interlude, it's still a great uh, issue, um, you know, even when it's uh, been reissued the, the number of times that it has. So if you haven't, or if you have, and you kind of want to see it with new art, uh, new layout, uh, then, hey, you know, here you go. I don't know why Agent 70's picture is going, getting smaller and smaller. It's like he took some pimp particles, but we'll get that straightened out in a second. Yeah, that's uh, weird. I wanted to mention that um, uh, G.I. Joe Real American Hero number 21, which is the original numbering of the silent interlude story, is the first appearance of Storm Shadow. Yes. First comic book appearance of Storm Shadow. So that's Correct. one reason why the issue is, you know, has some uh, some value on the uh, the back issue, uh, you know, in the back issue market. And, um, you know, as well as it just being one of the more famous uh, stories, uh, more famous G.I. Joe stories, more famous Snake Eye stories. And one of the first, if not the first, comic book that had no dialogue in it. Right. Yeah, it was it was a great issue when it came out. Um, I feel like I had it. I'm pretty sure most people who were collecting G.I. Joe at the time did have a copy of this issue. Right. Uh, I didn't get it when it first came out. I got it as a back issue, mm-hmm. and uh, when it was very cheap. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, a long time ago when it was uh, not very popular to be looking for anything G.I. Joe in the back issue bins, and I did get Larry Hama to sign it for me. So nice. I'm very fortunate and blessed in that regard. Nice. But like I said, if you have any of you curious about it, hey, there you go. It's here. Uh, last but not least uh, for myself, and I just kind of skimmed through this, so there's not terribly much I can, you know, uh, comfortably say about it. But um, uh, X Men 92 House of XC House of X C2, I guess. I'm not sure how, the, how that's said. So yeah, it's uh, basically um, X Men 92's take on the Krinkoa. Um,. Which, as a fan of X-Men, the animated series, you know, it's a curiosity at best. Um, and by the way, it's written by Steve Fox, uh, art by Salva Espen, uh, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by VCs uh, Joe Sabino. So, um, but yeah, like I said, as a curiosity and to see, um, you know, X-Men 92's take on... Um, going to uh, society or at least them going into it as this book sets up um it's it's interesting and yes it is the uh like I said, it is the core group from uh, the x-men 92 uh the x-men uh animated series so for that respect it's it's uh pretty interesting like i, said, I need to give it a good another good read to kind of uh soak it all in but like i said that as a as a curiosity of that it's uh it's a uh, pretty interesting and that is it for me. 
I wanted to mention very quickly. Sure. I actually own the 30th anniversary of oh, nice. uh, Silent Interlude, the, the 30th anniversary edition of the Silent Interlude, uh, published by IDW. That shows you how long IDW has had the GHO license. Yeah. And I'm holding it up right here. I'm just going to turn off my virtual background very quickly. And I'm going to turn off my camera so we can get you full screen. There we go. So this is the cover for the 30th anniversary. Right. Obviously, it's been roughly 10 years since this came out, which is unbelievable to me. And this issue, you know, this collection that is does not have the the new retelling, you know, the, with the new visuals that this 40th anniversary one does. What the 30th anniversary contains, though, is the actual breakdowns of, you know, the uh, uh, of the art. You know, this is this actually shows the breakdowns that Larry Hama drew. There's a, I think there's a little bit in the back of the 40th, if I'm not mistaken. There's not a lot, a lot but there's like a couple of pages where there's some sketches and whatnot in it. Right, right. This actually has like the full the full layout of all issue right. of all pages from the issue. Right. So Larry Hama is no, you know, he's no slouch when it comes to the art. Right. You know, basically, you know, it says breakdowns. He's basically doing like pretty much full pencils. And Steve Lailoha is, you know, does the finishing, you know, does the inking basically on the art for this, for G.I. Joe number 21. So it's a pretty, you know, it's been, there's a reason why uh, it's celebrated every 10 years. Right. There's a very good reason for it. So, yeah, oh, it made absolutely. me, you know, I, I stepped away just for a second to hit, um, my uh, my trade shell, one of my trade shelves, and and and, and pull this off the shelf. So, indeed. Uh, oh, also shout out to Chad Bowers, who is a local um, writer. I believe he actually he and um, I can't remember who the other artist. Oh, or the other writer was actually did the original X Men ninety two series from a couple of years back. But the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because he did an essay. He wrote an essay in the back of the fort in this fortieth anniversary um, uh, issue. Uh, of uh, G.I. Joe. So that's cool. But I didn't get a chance to read it all. I just kind of skimmed through it. Either way, we are, uh, we're done here with the books of the week. Now we're going to get to clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, and we do have clicks from uh, our, our absent uh, fellers. Uh, what is going on with your picture? That's weird. Anyway, uh, from Dirt, we got Flashpoint Beyond number zero. I believe he did say something in our back chatter about this. Uh, it says, uh, even though BC has betrayed him with these events in the past and looks like they will again with Dark Crisis, he's still a sucker for them in the early stages. He's really hoping Pandora doesn't re- return. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I believe that's the kind of similar thing we would, we, we would say about, um, pariah yeah (laughs) yeah goodness gracious um and from tim i forgot to put a couple of that's fine uh from tim is x-men number 10 all right so cool yeah uh as i um do you have yours because i don't think i have mine i am thinking about what i'm going to choose i don't have very many issues to choose from i only read five books this week there wasn't that much out this week that piqued my interest Mm -hmm. but i i I will tell everyone that i am leaning towards believe it or not 
Eternals number 11 because it did move the story forward. As uh, in addition, I am also thinking about Green Lantern number 12 because it did kind of reset things but also move things forward in, I thought, a very effective way. So do you have a do you need any more time or are you still thinking? Uh yeah, I do need a load just a little, little bit. Um All right. I mean, I can only stall for so much. Nah, time. you won't need to. And <laughs> What's that? I say you won't need to. All right. Well, I don't I can only stall for so much time, so I am going to I think bite the bullet and go with surprise surprise. Probably the most effective read I had this week. Maybe not my favorite, but the most effective read I had this week was Eternals number 11. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going to try to catch up with that so I can get uh, get caught up before um, judgment. The judgment day shenanigans um, happens. So Eternals number eleven for for Agent Seventy and for myself, I think I'm. I don't know. There's there's. I read a good bit, but it was not a whole, whole lot that was, like, popped out, um, sadly. And that's also unusual for me, because there's usually something. Um, like, Captain Carter was kind of all right. Batman 89 was, was what it was. Um, but I think I'm actually going to go with Star Wars number 22. Um, like, it was, you know, it was a good read, and there's. There's, they're still kind of into a, a weird place where it's like I don't know, I know what's going on, but some of it's still kind of weird enough to not like okay, there's some I don't know how long we need to keep going on with this stuff type situation here, but uh, you know it's good. So that is it for the clicks of the week. We're going to go over into the news section, um, but first an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off with the cinematic news as we do with Zoop. Uh, cinematic news. Stephen Amell open to Arrowverse return in any way, shape, or form, quote-unquote, as he says. So, I don't know, maybe that heals money is not doing him any good anymore. He's just, he just misses it. I don't know. But basically, he's uh, speaking with Dinner Geek. The actors uh, looked back on his uh, hit comic book series. Uh, which spawned an entire universe of interconnected shows. Uh, y'all know the Arrowverse. We ain't got to get into all of that. He says, uh, "Quote unquote." Which means what means a great deal to me is the is we did get to control the ending. He, he said of Arrow's uh, final episode, which aired over two years ago. Uh, that rarely so that happens so rarely. So to have the conversation with uh, Greg Berlanti during the sixth season and to decide that the seventh and then a truncated version of the eighth season would wrap the story is just a blessing because we got to do it the right way. Uh, we got to say goodbye to the people in the right way 
And uh, that's the way it should end for any superhero without superpowers. <laughs> he says that it, the way it should end for any superheroes without powers is in the ground. So basically saying all the, all superheroes that don't have uh, powers should should die. That's a weird thing to say. Um, But anyway, but he says that he thinks Oliver just turned into energy. So never say never. And yeah, Green Arrow has died in the comics has, and come back. So any crazy things that happened. Next up. Ah, the CW reveals the season finale dates for The Flash, Superman and Lois, Naomi, and various other shows on its current slate. According to a release from the CW, Superman and Lois Season 2 will air its fi- finale on June 21st at 8 p.m., followed by The Flash Season 8 on June 29th at 8 p.m. Naomi will have back-to-back episodes to conclude its first season on May 10th at 8 p.m. As for the network's non-Arrowverse shows, All-American Season 4 and its new spinoff, All-American Homecoming, will conclude on May 23rd, and blah, blah, blah for everything else. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, speaking of the Flash, uh, season nine could end the show with a shorter episode count. So, um, and I'll go. So, I'll, matter of fact, I'll go ahead and take the next one also, just because it's kind of related. Um, so yeah, they're uh, they're thinking about doing a truncated um season for season nine, which is like it might be the the final season. Um, if if uh, recent reports may or may not have bear out uh, that the case, um, so we'll see if that's actually the case. Uh, this is uh, it's like according to the the Hollywood Reporter says that sources say that there's been talks about the upcoming season to be the last one, and could be shorter in count and and um, uh, episode count. Also on that note. Um, uh, one of the regular cast members of the show is leaving. That is Jesse L. Martin, who is one of the original um, um, uh, on the show, who plays Iris's and I guess Barry's dad, and and you know whatever. Uh, he's leaving the show um, to star in a MC uh, uh, an NBC drama plot, but he'll still be. I guess he can still come back to the show. Uh, every now and then in in whatever capacity in this last um if this is the last uh uh, uh season of the show but yeah but he's no longer going to be a regular on the show uh as of the end of uh season 8 so next up all right so I'm glad you took that extra story mm-hmm. next up so the restraining order case against the flash star Ezra Miller has been dropped I wonder how much money changed hands. Right? So, what's that? I said right? Yeah. So, uh, Faux News reports that the Hawaii, cop, the Hawaii couple that filed the restraining order against Miller for threatening to kill them asked the judge to dismiss the case. The reasoning is still unclear, and the couple's attorney provided no comment. Moreover, it's unknown if the planned hearing regarding the matter will still take place since the case itself was dismissed. Okay. Um, hey, guess what, folks? Uh, the Batman is coming to Blu-ray on May 24th, but for, ahead of that, it's coming to HBO Max the, uh, streaming on April 18th, which I believe is a day earlier than it was supposed to. Right. Uh, so as opposed to next Tuesday, it'll be next Monday. Right. So, hey, guess what? You could guess you can buckle in for that three hour or whatever that is uh, next week. Uh, and I'll probably and I'll finally get to see it because I was not going to the movies for theaters for that. 
Apparently, according to this article, there's no director's commentary from Matt Reeves, but there are deleted scenes. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the, the Blu-ray, DVD, digital code type of blase, blase, blase. Next. All right. So this is a story about the last, actually last week's episode. So it will be the second episode of Moon Knight. So uh, Moon Knight introduced a fresh persona last week for the character. But apparently some people were not happy about the reveal of Mr. Knight and how that character was essentially used as Stephen Grant's side of the Moon Knight character. Right. That's, you know, without completely spoiling what's different about it. That's really why I put it that way. No, 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 that's valid. To which, and I I have seen, because I was going to mention this earlier, yeah, people don't really like Steven, this version of Steven. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, um, going out and say he's pretty annoying, with or without the suit. Which, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) I can totally see that. So, yeah, so there is that. And obviously, I don't know, I kind of wonder if some of these don't really, some people... Well, I guess some of it is like, yeah, we, they know the Mr. Knight character, but they don't like it because it's Steven in, you know, in control, basically, the, the, the gist of it. And not just the fact that it's Mr. Knight. So. Anywho, uh, Disney Plus restores the Defenders saga, uh, sagas, uh, J- uh, Stan Lee and uh, Reggie Cathy tributes following the backlash. So we don't know why they got taken out in the first place. We talked about it last week, uh, but apparently they've been put back in their places. I'm gonna take this next one also because uh, there's slight relation uh, to things being taken out from there. So yeah, um, so yeah, the the, the those uh, tributes have been put back into their respective places on those the shows they were on. And Disney Plus removes uh, a post-credits Punisher teaser uh, from the Defenders, apparently. Um, I did not know there was one, but hey, I never finished watching the Defenders, so I guess spoilers for me for something I don't care that much about, but I'm still watching it at some point. Uh, So some Twitter user says that the teaser for the Punisher no longer appears at the end of the Defenders. Uh, apparently the CBR had verified that this has happened in Canadian American markets. Uh, it doesn't seem to be any reason given for it at this point. Okay. Next. Alrighty. Um, America Chavez co-creator declines Marvel's insult of an offer for Dr. Strange two. So writer Joe Casey says he was offered a pittance ahead of his character's big screen debut, and he's speaking out about it in hopes that it could help other creators. So, uh, let's see here. Well, I mean, it's not the first time I'm sure people that mm-hmm. have been approached and probably given very little to. As a matter of fact, I'm, I know it's not because the, the, some of them have spoken out before prior to this. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the 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 the, the most recent example, I think that that garnered some press was uh, Ed Brubaker, because mm-hmm. Ed Brubaker, while not creating the character of James Buchanan, Bucky Barnes created the persona of the winter soldier that became you know a hit 
not only in the movies but also on Disney Plus. Mm. And this is essentially in the same vein where uh, Joe Casey and Nick Dragata introduced the character in 2011. And uh, as I said earlier, he rejected what he describes as a pittance of an offer ahead of her multiverse of madness appearance. You know, he was paid, in fact, for his page rate, but was not paid anything on top of that uh, as a result of the character being uh, transported over into the uh, MCU world. So, which is which is sad. I'm not I'm not, you know, not, not saying that, you know, he don't deserve that, you know, he or the other co-creator doesn't deserve the money or any, you know, any other more recognition for. But, yeah, this is like I said, this is a thing that's happened before now than not. So uh, it, it's it, it's a sad state of affairs mm-hmm. on that side of it. Uh, let's see. How Miss Marvel star Iman uh, Villani has fangirled her way into the role. Um I thought this was cute. Uh, Sana Amanat uh, revealed that uh, Iman Vellani's obsession with all things Marvel helped her secure the role of uh, Kamala, Kamala Khan in Disney Plus's upcoming television adaptation starring the superhero. Uh, short story is, sounds like uh, um, uh, Miss Vellani is as much of a fangirl as uh, Kamala actually is, and that's what sealed the deal. Um, um, that's what basically sealed the deal because uh, in an interview with Empire, Amanat said that she felt that uh, Valina was a perfect fit for Kamala as soon as she saw how much uh, Marvel fangirl the actor was during the Zoom call, Zoom audition. Uh, she showed every corner of her room and it was covered with Avengers. Uh, and and she was like, oh, wait, I'm not done. Open up a closet and there's more Marvel stuff. So, yeah, like I said, sounds like she was she had some real fangirl stuff going on there, which sealed the deal. Next up. Outside of her personality also. But, yeah. Next up. So, Ryan Coogler has been added as an executive producer to the Disney Plus series Ironheart. And in addition to him, the Marvel series has tapped Sam Bailey and Angela Barnes as director. This is all according to The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, we don't know too much about what we're going to get in Ironheart other than... Uh, the character is, I think, going to appear in Black Panther 2. Correct. And I believe he is going to appear there first before the show. So I guess it makes some sense as there would be a little bit more cross-pollination. Um, Star Wars Ahsoka series lands Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse co-creator, co-director, excuse me, not co-creator. Um, co-director Peter Ramsey is set to helm at least one episode of Star Wars series Ahsoka on Disney Plus, according to Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Ramsey was the first black filmmaker to win Best Animated Feature Award at the Oscars after uh, after Into the Spider Verse took home uh, took took one home in 2019. Uh, he co-created co-directed. Why do I keep saying that the, the movie with Bob uh, Perchetti and Rodney Rothman. And um, he's uh, on board for the sequels that are coming up. But before that, he's going to be a part of um, Ahsoka's uh, Star Wars show uh, as at least a director of one show. So that's cool. Next. You want to take this one? <laughs> sure, I'll take it. This one's up your, this one's up, this one's <laughs> way up your alley. Uh, I'm sure you'll say that about the next few. Um, Spock finally gets a first name in Star Trek canon and as one fans may uh, recognize. And so, yes, we know Spock's going to be in that uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, show that is coming up, which is basically, I guess, the prequel uh, to TOS. 
um, with uh, Pike, uh, Christopher Pike captaining. And it sounds like the promotional premiere, the promotional material that came out during Star Trek Mission uh, Chicago 2022 has revealed that Spock's canonical first name. Um, I haven't actually looked at this for whatever reason, so I'm just going to say I will leave it to the fans to uh, to the other fans because I know it's probably going to be something that's going to make me upset. His name is Spock. That is it. Um, let it run. I thought you were going to try to say it. That's why I thought you were going to know how to say it. That's why I left it to you. Actually, I, I get, like I said, I hadn't even looked at it because I was like, why did he even need a first name? Um, so, That's and I fun. believe there was, a, if I'm not mistaken, there was a name already given to him, and I don't think this is it. Uh, so, either way, um, yeah, wasn't it like green blooded bastard or something like that? Or <laughs> not that? No, <laughs> that that is uh, McCoy's name for him. That's but... what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, let's see. Wait, it doesn't even say. It says, well, it says here that his full Vulcan name was considered unpronounceable to human, which that's canon. That's been said in the movies or whatever the case may be. And yeah, it does talk about the Marvel. Um, Spock's full name is yeah. I'm not trying that. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, listen, like I said, I thought maybe you had some inside info on how to pronounce it. So he's he's partially. I left, named, I, he's, that's why I asked you to take this particular that, that particular story. I'll take the next right. one. Right. He's partially named after his dad, uh, Sarek, basically. But the the those the first two names, I'm not I'm not doing that because <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce that. But yeah, next up. All right, so this is spoilers for is this spoilers for this week's episode? Uh, no, just the, well, I guess in a way the opening credits for for um, I mean, no, last week's episode. This is a spoiler cover from last week's episode, and it's not right, really a spoiler. I it's just I'm, a Easter egg. I, I want to say I was up to date through last week, but I, you know, like I'm, I'm my my memory's a little hazy and it's late. No, because I remember it's when this evening already. So yeah, no, this was from last week. Right. So um. Oh, okay. There is a spoiler so, for this week's uh, uh, on the side, but <laughs> so I don't know if you care about that, right? So there's a you know there's a treat in um, uh, you know because there's a, a a reveal of why there is a space shuttle looking craft in the opening credits for Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. and. Um, Basically, it's explained as uh, being piloted by. I want to say it's being piloted by uh, 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 an ancestor of uh, Jean Luc Picard. Yes, that is correct. And that's is, the spoiler. Spoiler alert for anyone who didn't know. Yeah, from last but, week. Uh, I didn't say. I didn't say who the ancestor was, but it is in fact an ancestor. Right. Well, if you're watching a video version, you can see, at the very least see the person, even if you don't know who that person is. But yes, that is definitely. Um, which, if you already knew that, well, start this this season is taking place in the past. There's a Star Trek foreignness about it, uh, um, uh, and it's doing a lot. Like I said, so yeah, we don't necessarily need to go to that. Even though it is last week's episode, we don't necessarily need to to go into it. Uh, this next one, it was pretty cool to me. I saw this yesterday. Uh, Star Trek's TNG goes full 70s Trek cartoon in this fan video. So basically somebody, uh, made a clip of, um, I believe this is when, um, I can't remember the name of the episode, but, um, when Picard gets taken by the, the Borg, but they basically did a almost filmation like a, um, 
um, recreation of that scene right before uh, Picard gets taken, even with the filmation uh, um, music score that was behind it. And it was pretty well done. You really take a, uh, really take a look at it. If you are a fan of the um, Star Trek uh, animated series, you will get a kick out of this. I would, I would, uh, if they did more of this, it would be cool if they did. So that, that's all I will say. Next up. Next up, thanks in part to our very own PCN underscore dirt. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 won the box office and had the best opening weekend of any video game movie. So it won the domestic weekend box office with ticket sales of 71 million. And it also had the best opening weekend of any video game movie ever. As reported by Variety, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 surpassed the record of 58 million set by 2020 Sonic the Hedgehog. So the original opened during the President's Day weekend, and the sequel even beat the four day total of 70 million the first film had. Okay. Good for you, Sonic. I right. know there is an entire generation of people that love to play Sonic. I never had a Sega, so I'm not one of them. Oh, man, I did. I, yeah, I loved it. Um, uh, and as far as it being the best uh, weekend of any video game ever, movie ever, that's not really saying that much because video game movies have been terrible and didn't don't normally do well that well. So this just happened to be one that's good. Actually, I think I know somebody that's watching it tonight. I'm not sure if they went to the theater or found some other means. So uh, I'm going to let Agent 70 take this next one, actually. So, the next Fast and Furious movie is getting some additional Oscar-winning talent. So, Best Actress winner Brie Larson is joining the family for Fast and Furious 10, announced by Vin Diesel on his Instagram. A source with knowledge further confirmed news of Larson's casting. So, Diesel says, you have no idea how timeless and amazing she will be in our mythology, blah, 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 yakety-schmackety, welcome to the family, Brie. So, my guess, she's probably a relative of Brian O'Connor. Or that, or um, something to do with Cypher. Could also be the case. Maybe. I feel like they needed, another, uh, they, they needed to restock the, uh, the blonde people on the good guy side. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Who's, who knows? Uh, you know, that's just, that's just my gut, uh, you know, in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, how I feel like they're, they're going because... Did you watch the most recent one? Yes. Fast 9? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. so you're up to mm-hmm. date. All oh, right. Yeah. So you know that Cypher's still around. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. That's why, Which is why I said that. Right, so I have a feeling that she's not going to be on Cypher's side. That's too many blondes on one side. <laughs> that's just me. You know, that's just my, you know, my, my personal take on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's legit. It's about as legit as anything else going on with this franchise. So, yeah, ain't no telling. I, I, I said on Twitter a couple of days ago, prior to this, um, this, this recording, like, how long will we before we see uh, this get smashed up into the MCU and the, the Avengers are drifting around in cars saving the day? Well, you know everyone's talking about uh, mashing this up with Jurassic World, right? Oh, yeah, I have heard that also. Yeah, 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 but... So. <laughs> Yeah. So, and there is there is kind of precedent because there are there's those um those um sponsored uh Marvel comics you you, you know that have scar car sponsors in it like the BMW one from I think that Black Panther did or whatever I don't remember, I can't remember around Black Panther but stuff like that happened so I wouldn't be surprised if something like that actually happened. Uh but now we're going to get into the anime corner. 
捧げよう<laughs> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Heroes Unite in Generation Spanning Anniversary. I'm not, this may be a news we might have talked to talk about, but I thought it was cool nonetheless. Uh, basically, generations of jo- jo- JoJo's fam are, have been put together in uh, art, including uh, Jolene, the newest, um, the newest iteration of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, and you could see it at the official anniversary website. Um, which and the first art the, depicts the first central the sixth excuse me the sixth central protagonist who have appeared in the anime adaptation so far. Like I said, going up to Jolene, uh, which I still I'm not gotten up to yet. Uh, and there's another piece of art that's out there, um, and apparently there's an exhibit that will run from May 10th through August 9th uh, at the Tokyo Sky Tree Landmark, I guess. Um, so nowhere near the U.S. But if you're there, hey, send us a picture. And but you can also see some of the art uh, in this article if you can't get over there. Next up. Next up, uh, Netflix and Suburaya Productions posted the opening animation sequence without superimposed credits for the second anime season based on Aichi Shimizu and Tomohiro Shimoguchi's Ultraman manga on Thursday. This past Thursday, um, the creator unit Noe Leon or Noe Lion performs the anime's opening theme song three. The anime will debut on Netflix worldwide on April 14th. The new season's first episode will get an advanced screening at the Ultraman world premiere and orchestra concert event on April 10th. So this is all past us already. Yeah. So um, I have not watched the first season of this Ultraman anime have you uh i watched like the first couple of episodes uh, and i said i was going to come back to it um but yeah it's all right no, it's a more you know cg and and in, in, in that vein it's all right from what i've more seen more more cg than actual like animated cells i got Basically. you yeah it seems it seems that way like there's a there's definitely a mix but it seems like it feels like it's going towards more cg than i like the obviously there's more blendings nowadays of cg but this one seems more noticeable got it okay i'll take a look at it yeah, it's all right. It's on Netflix, so it know, is. might as well. Mm-hmm. Next up. A new City Hunter film announced to celebrate uh, TV anime's 35th anniversary in 2022. Uh, so the official Twitter account and homepage for City Hunter movie franchise has been updated with the news that a new movie will be produced to celebrate the anniversary. Uh, the announcement was made on April 8th in Japan, which is also the premiere date for the first episode of the first season of the TV Oh, the, t- see, the City Hunter TV anime in back in 1987. Uh, the most recent film before this announcement was uh, Shinjuku Private Eyes, which was released in 2019. Uh, let's see. In addition to the announcement, a new teaser trailer has been uh, released for the new pr- film project. And um, and the theme song, or the, the, the ending theme song, Get Wild by TM Network, and the return of voice uh, voice actors with more details expected to come later this year. I don't know if you ever watched it, City Hunter. Nope. Yeah. This is, uh, from what I remember, there's a couple of uh, episodes I remember seeing. This, this seems all right. Uh, I'm sure there are fans out there. Next up. The first episode of the television anime of Tetsuya Endo's Spy X Family manga earned a 3.1% rating when it premiered on Saturday, this past Saturday, uh, at 11... 11- p.m. Japanese Standard Time. 
Uh, in addition, the term spy family, spy underscore family, Anya, your son, and Lloyd, uh, the the three main characters for the anime, trended on Twitter in Japan when the episode aired. So Crunchyroll is streaming the anime. It is. Yeah, I before the anime aired, I read the first. You can basically read the first three chapters for free on uh, Shonen Jump, and I did that, and it pretty much follows the beat of it, the first volume, at the very least. Um, or the first volume and a half, so yeah, it's pretty faithful. And yeah, that three point one reading apparently is actually pretty good for an anime, from 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 what I'm understanding. Um, speaking of spy family news, uh, the the English cast for the dub uh, has been revealed. In fact, the dub uh, version of the first episode has now premiered as of this recording a couple of days ago uh, on this past Tuesday. So, hey, you don't have to worry about what the cast is because now you can go check it out yourself. But it's people you probably know. I've already watched this in subtitles. I don't. I may check it out in, in dub, but I'm probably going to stick to the subs when it comes out. Next up. Right. So in a bit of a disappointment here, Toei announced that Dragon Ball Super Superhero, the second anime film in the Dragon Ball Super franchise, has been rescheduled for June 11th. It's been delayed due to the Toei animation hack last month. Toei added that the entire staff is putting all their effort into meeting the new release date. The film was originally slated to open in Japan on April 22nd and then was slated to open in North America this summer. The CG film's release schedule may differ depending on each country and region. So, uh, yeah, that that's pretty tough news to bear. Yeah. And just having to wait a little longer to see what is going on in this latest installment for Dragon Ball Super. Yep, yep. Uh, and before we go into the comic news, but still kind of staying in the anime corner, uh, I know I talked to, to Agent 7 about this, and I'll keep this like, very brief, but I just wanted to remind folks that... Um, I believe that Aoashi is the one, which is basically the soccer ver- is kind of a soccer version of uh, Haiyu, Hai- Haikyuu, uh, has also de- debuted this past week. Uh, if anybody's curious about that, it's made by the same people as why I say that. Um, mm-hmm. And Spy, Spy Town's family and a couple other anime that that is notable to me, but I won't go into all of that. Um, so I don't know what, um, if anything, uh, Agent 7 has been watching lately. Uh, anime wise I mean I'm still struggling to finish to, to get through Fire Force mm. I just ha- I haven't watched you know I'd, my my first instinct is when I want to watch something anime I'll pull up a Haikyuu <laughs> I'll just rewatch parts of it just just because it's fun sure so I gotcha I gotcha um yeah one of these days I get to that point to watching it so yeah um but yeah going into comic book news Alrighty, so I'm going to transition, even though we're still kind of in, you know, anime manga news. Um, you know, I don't know if I need a, a, a special manga sound for this, Dang. but uh, hold on. So this is spoilers for uh, Chapter 350 of uh, My Hero Academia that was released this past week. So if you are not up to date, you definitely need to uh, mute me or uh, fast forward through this show because this is actually some pretty telling stuff that uh, came out in this most recent uh, issue of uh, this most recent chapter of My Hero Academia's manga. So 
And I, I agree with a little bit of the commentary here in this article in that My Hero Academia is ironically telling some of its most interesting villain stories as we approach the end of the series. So this is the uh, the big Final War arc. And the series talks about how uh, one character becomes the flaming psychopath Dobby, who is basically one of the main henchmen of um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, All for One. So I'll leave it at that. There's not much, I don't, you know, there's a lot here in this, in this article that is spoilerific. And if you're not far along enough in the anime or the manga, um, it is, it's, it's not worth spoiling it for you, but I am up to date on the manga. So I know what's going on. Nice. Uh, apparently there was a Moon Knight, uh, manga, but I'm going to have to read up on that because there's an article on the side about it. Uh, but speaking of Moon Knight, as we transition completely into comic book news, uh, Avengers Campus's Mr. Knight fan video interaction is perfect, down to the inter-English uh, accent. So apparently Mr. Knight is on, has made its way to Avengers Campus, which is um, on, um, what is it, Disney World? Disney, Disney World, Disneyland. It's at the Disney Parks, regardless. I want to say Disney World. It's uh, in Cal- I think it's in Cali. It says here Disneyland. Yeah, well, it said Disneyland. Oh, no, Disneyland is in Cali. Yeah, uh, California. I get them mixed up, too, So because it was like world and land is real, you know. But, yeah, Disneyland Resorts, uh, Disney California Adventure Park, uh, and that's where Avengers Campus is, which I thought they had one in world, but I guess not. Got to go all the way to California for that? Crash. But, yeah, so, yeah, Mr. Mike can be seen walking around, found after dark, of course, uh, dressed in a suit, um, and apparently somebody took a short video um, uh, and put it on YouTube. It captured Mr. Knight in action as he greeted fans on the campus and even had the English uh, accent and had a little short conversation with them. And it goes kind of goes into that. Uh, and I guess, is uh, yeah, there's even a, a video uh, of the uh, of it uh, attached to this article if you want to see that interaction. So that's kind of cool. Next up. I was just looking at the G.I. Joe Silent Interlude 30th anniversary. I was like, wait, this was published in 2014. It hasn't been 10 years since then. What's going on? And, you know. Some comic book math, damn it. Pretty much. All right, next up, Moon Girl joins the Avengers in the Avengers and Moon Girl. So this July, Mohali Mushigo and Diogenes Diogenes, Nevis will continue Moon Girl's adventures in the Avengers and Moon Girl number one. So... Uh, there is no current Moon Girl series, so uh, we're going to get um, a couple of one-shots coming out this year. So in June, we're going to have Miles Morales and Moon Girl number one. And then in July, we're going to have Avengers and Moon Girl number one. It right. is going to be on sale July 13th with a cover price of, don't know, doesn't say. Hmm. It's probably three ninety nine or four ninety nine if they're doing an extra thing, but yeah. Yeah, I was about to say four one shots tend to be four ninety nine. Yeah. So more likely than not. Wolverine, Venom and Moon Knight co star in Miss Marvel's new series. Uh so yeah, apparently Miss Marvel's gonna get a, a new series that launches in July. Um and she's going to fight along the the heroes that uh, that I've mentioned. Uh, the series kicks off with Miss Marvel and Wolverine. Oh, it sounds like it's a, a series of overshot uh, one shots. So basically, is one as one of those, I guess, like that uh, Spider Man thing from a couple of years back where you, uh, I think that was Spider Man. Yeah, where you kind of uh, teamed up with uh, other folks on team ups. 
but it's all one adventure. Uh, but anyway, the series kicks off with Miss Marvel and Wolverine number one by uh, Jody Hauser and Zay Carlos. Uh, the cover art shows uh, Cyclops, uh, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Storm, and uh, others with uh, Miss Marvel going into battle. Um, and it's, and there's a synopsis here that I won't necessarily go t- uh, far into, but basically, hey, Miss Marvel and Wolverine starting off, and I guess it's going to be uh, uh, bleeding over to Moon Knight and Venom uh, after this particular one shot. So, uh, but yeah, that issue goes on sale July 13th. There's some there's some interesting notes in, in there's some interesting parts of the interview uh, later on in the article that talk yes. about how teaming her teaming Miss Marvel up with some of the darker heroes of the six one six shows just how bright Miss Marvel's light really is and that's the contrast that they're looking for right because that's true. you wouldn't think that these characters would be other than Wolverine because Wolverine teams up with everybody well and he's also shown up in Miss Marvel previously. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, you wouldn't think that Venom and Moon Knight would appear alongside Ms. Marvel. But, uh, you know, there's a reason why they are telling these particular stories. Right. I'm curious about it. So we'll 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 let y'all know when when it happens. But next up. Hmm, Marvel's prehistoric Avengers star in. Uh. A story revealing Thor's quote-unquote true origin story. I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> um, you know, Avengers 1 million BC number one comes from writer Jason Aaron and artist Kev Walker with cover art by Ed McGuinness and variant cover art by Alex Horley. The issue, which releases in July, is set in the earliest days of the Marvel Universe and features the Avengers 1 million BC team that has been previously introduced in Aaron's Avengers run. So we're going to talk about the true story of Thor's birth in this issue. I mean, yeah, you know what? You know, it's it's the comics. It's not mythology. The, the mythology tells one story that the, that the comics basically... Uh, uh, aped and parroted, but they want to change it up just a little bit. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm not a fan of this particular revelation. You know, we'll see how long this story lasts. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Marvel announces All Out Avengers series. Um, actually, uh, and it just gave me a reminder for something uh the, to do after the show. I mean, uh, right after we finish the news. Um. So yeah, um, there's a new teaser for an Avengers series, uh, uh, and I knew this was the case, and I didn't want it to be, but basically it sounds like um, All Out Avengers, which is the name of the series, appears to be in the same vein as Nonstop Spider-Man. Um, oh wait, is he actually doing this one also? So yeah, uh, All Out Avengers appears to be in the same vein by Nonspot Avengers by Joe Kelly, Dale Igosham, uh, Geraldo Sandoval, and Chris Bacalo. Uh Kelly previously described the series as a relentless action, epic storytelling, mind-melting art, and relevant themes all grounded by the heart and soul of one of my old friends. That's the Spider-Man one, I guess. Uh, there's teaser art for the cover of All Out Avengers number one by uh, Agent 70's favorite Greg Land. And, uh, See, Jay that's Lynch. why this is this this is the book that I can safely ignore. <laughs> All you need to say are four words: "Art by Greg Land," and what? I'm out. Well, but the thing is, the cover. He's not doing the in- inside though. No, it says "Art by Greg Land." 
is he doing? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, written by Greg, uh, Derek Landy, and art by Greg Land. Yeah, inks by Jay Lusting. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm out. Uh, love it. So yeah, so there's teaser out and the cover art uh, out there for it, uh, and it looks like the team is Captain America, She Hulk, Black Panther, Spider Man, and Spider Woman. Um, and it goes on to say the creative team have worked together on some other stuff, and uh, yeah, so this is going to be coming out September 2022, which I don't think we got solicitors out for yet, but probably forthcoming very shortly. Next, yeah, time. very soon, very very soon. Okay, uh, all right. All right, so Marvel releases a Sam Wilson's Captain America trailer. So we've got a trailer for Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number one. So Marvel is relaunching Captain America with two series, one starring Steve Rogers and the other starring the former Falcon, Sam Wilson. So Captain America, Symbol of Truth is um, Sam Wilson's book, while Steve Rogers has Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. And so you have here this trailer for the Sam Wilson Captain America book. And apparently they still got Red Wing's uh, name wrong in this article because it's Red Wing, Tim. Not, well, I don't know if that's... Just, uh, shout out to Tim. He wrote this, but I don't know if that was a, a typo on his part or, or whatever the case may be, but it's, it's Red Wing, not Red Bird. Yeah! I'm just saying. Shot fired! I'm just saying. It's, I, 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 I didn't realize that Tim had wrote this into the house. So I'm gonna, I might have to reach out to him and, and <laughs> know about this typo. That's uh, fine. Next up, though, uh, Marvel's... Well, okay, this is spoiler alert from um, uh, from last week. I think we kind of already talked about it, but we didn't necessarily talk about this particular talk part. Uh, so, uh, Netflix uh, hero is the new mayor of New York City. It's Luke Cage, apparently, uh, after the events of Devil's Reign number six, which ends at last week. Right. So, spoilers for that. Right. I did not spoil it last week, but it right. is now a week later. Right. So... And that was the thing I said I was kind of curious about because I was going to, and I still haven't read uh, Devil's Reign at this point yet, but, you know, I don't know whether it is what it is. I get to it. Next up, though. So, in news, that makes very little sense because it is not the scale of power that this character is normally on. Craven the Hunter takes aim at X-Force and a tie-in to Marvel's Judgment Day event series coming along for the writer's Deadpool. Uh, according to Newsarama, July's X-Force number 30 by writer Benjamin Percy and artist Robert Gale begins a new story arc, The Hunt for X, which ties into the Avengers X-Men Eternals crossover, AXE Judgment Day, or Axe. You know, they could call it just body spray. Deadpool is no stranger to X-Force with the team needing reinforcements after dealing with the fallout from the second annual Hellfire Gala and the start of Judgment Day. Okay. So, yeah, Craven the Hunter. Seriously? I mean, I'm sure, you know... I, he's a little as, out of his depth against X-Force, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, I mean, you know, he's a prepared dude. I'm sure he'll, he'll have time to study. You know, you write any, uh, you can write anybody any kind of way, and they'll come out on top, as you well know. Prep time. Yeah, Gotta exactly. love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's all up to whoever writing them. Um, but, yeah. Uh, by the way, yes, that was a triplicate of uh, Tim's stories, but that was not on purpose. I'm just saying that he's a busy guy. Yeah, and he that just so happens to be what I pulled. Uh, anyway, dig into unknown Star Wars adventures, um, untold Star Wars adventures in the first look at Marvel's new Obi Wan Kenobi comic book. Uh, so of course, there's a comic book that's coming um, uh, 
prior to um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, Disney Plus series. Uh, let's see, it says Dismay is going to get a... Well, that's where the 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 uh, Disney Plus show is coming. There's going to be a five-issue miniseries written by Christopher Cantwell, which is his first non-armored character, I think. <laughs> that's which is kind of funny. Um, uh, called Star Wars Obi-Wan and a series of artists beginning with Ario and and Indito, uh, which launches on uh, Star Wars Day, May the 4th. So, yeah. Uh, unlike the newer live-action series, which focus on a very, very particular time and place in Kenobi's life, Marvel's Obi-Wan has the freedom to span Obi-Wan's entire Jedi career, beginning from his time as a youngling uh, at the Jedi Temple before he met uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and each... Uh, issue will cover a different adventure from a different time period in Kenobi's life. So I guess starting from when he was a little one. So there you go. And uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see the the, the uh, cover art for it, which looks pretty good. I thought it was Noto doing his art. But um, uh, apparently not. Look good. Anyway, next up. Next up, Marvel celebrates Loki's Thanos Easter egg with a special new toy. This is actually kind of cool. <laughs> and I didn't know that this actually existed previously, you know, in, in toy form. Mm-hmm. So something that appeared in uh, uh, the Loki show was, in fact, something that was canon in the comics, at least. That being the Thanos copter. So uh, there is a new Hot Wheels figure, Hot Wheels toy from Mattel that brings the Thanos copter to life. And, uh, you know, as a reminder, the vehicle made its appearance in the Loki show's fifth episode at the end of time, being a remnant of Alioth's destruction. The Hot Wheels figure, the Hot Wheels toy here, was actually originally a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive that originally came with a miniature Thanos, but is now being re-released with the Loki name on it as a slightly different variant, which is, of course, fitting when it comes to Loki merchandise. So that's pretty interesting. I don't know if I'd get this, but it's cool that it's there, that it's out. Yeah, I thought I have recently saw this in the stores, and I'm not sure if that's true or maybe it's a figment of our imagination. But yeah, it's cool that it's out there because I know I've seen um, Marvel inspired Hot Wheels uh, vehicles out there. I'm not sure about this one Um, that I almost pick up, but I but I resist. (laughs) Um, Speaking of figures, uh, Hasbro has announced Marvel Legends figures of all three Spider-Men from No Way Home. So, yeah, uh, we're getting even more Spider-Man figures, Marvel Legends figures, yay. Uh, it says on Twitter, Hasbro Pulse showed a promotional image showing Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield's versions of uh, Spider-Man in No Way Home to announce uh, upcoming Marvel Legends figures. Uh, so, yeah, they didn't provide any specific details about the figures outside of that, outside of the fact that they'll be um, they'll come out at some point in 2023. But nothing's more specific than that. And I guess while we're here, um, I am holding up for the video version my copy of a Spider-Man No Way Home, the, uh, the, the Blu-ray, because I got that in the mail. So, yay. Thanks. <laughs> I haven't picked mine up yet, but I will eventually. Yeah. But it's out there, folks. I'll, I'll tell you something funny. What's you know, that? and, it's, and it's, it's reminiscent of a little bit of the Baby Yoda stuff. Okay. 
So remember when The Mandalorian came out and Baby Yoda was revealed at the end of the first episode and everyone wanted a Baby Yoda toy and Hasbro seemingly had dropped the ball. But there's a good reason why they didn't because they didn't want to have – well, one, they probably didn't anticipate the demand for it. And two, they probably didn't want to have any spoilers leaking out there. So it makes sense that – even though it was probably one of the worst kept secrets because of trailers that made their way around the internet um, and edits that were just kind of obvious, you know, you know, the lizard getting punched by an unknown, uh, unknown force, right. Uh, being one of them, uh, even though it was kind of like a, a poorly guarded secret uh, that uh, all three cinematic Spider-Man would be on the screen at the same time. It does make sense that they wouldn't, produce toys ahead of time because we've seen even in recent even uh even with regards to like upcoming uh movies like thor um love and thunder that toys are in production well ahead of uh the movie's release and that particular spoiler of the three spider-men would have been out there right away and we would have seen exactly what they might look like even though we're familiar with what they look like it's not like they changed the image you know the costumes any but um it, it makes sense that they wouldn't have that right away and they would wait until the movie was out before putting those figures out right yeah and as far as the baby yoda thing is i think i suspect part of it and i think probably talked about this in the past that they didn't know baby yoda was going to be that big as it, right. as it ended up being so that was also part of it but yeah and uh, right. for those uh, yeah i mentioned yeah i was about to say i mentioned that but at the same right. time the cute factor is what it is right right so but you know but with regards to the spider-man thing you know it's you know as a as a as a as an action figure collector i had been out of the game for the uh the toby spider-man Right, like I wasn't interested in those toys. Mm-hmm. I believe I got the Amazing Spider-Man Marvel Legend because at that point Marvel Legends has come out. Oh, they had already started over. doing right. They right. had already started doing Marvel Legends figures, um, uh, by Hasbro, not by Toy Biz. Right. When Amazing Spider-Man came out, so I did. I do have an Amazing Spider-Man of. Uh, I have the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man that is sure. Marvel Legend. But for everyone that wanted a Toby version in like quality Marvel Legends style, I think the wait should be worth it. Right. Uh, one uh, for those who are watching the video version saw me holding up my Baby Yoda little figure. They that's about as good as they did at the time. They have gotten since better. <laughs> that mm-hmm. little trinket that I was holding up was nothing, and that's why it's still also still in the box. But also, do do you find yourself getting any of these figures? In the Spider-Man mean? figures. Oh, you mean the 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 set of three? Right. Well, I might. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Gotcha. Uh, going on into other uh, toy slash game business. Yeah, I've got the I've got this one. This is my story. Oh, it's my turn. We talked about. You know, I was going to take it from you because you know. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, when, 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 when it's sometimes better when we stick to taking turns because we have to read some, some of the, the less fun stories. Uh, <laughs> My Little Pony's tabletop role playing game is on the way, full of magical adventures. 
So uh, there is an official My Little Pony tabletop role-playing game in development by Renegade Game Studios, not by Jay-Z and Eminem. And it may be the only tabletop RPG where players can lovingly craft their own cutie marks. Players can create their own custom pony characters and set out to solve problems in the realms of Equestria and beyond. The RPG will come with a line of accessories so players can collect adventure books, adventure and game master screens, a dice set, dice bag, and character journal. Uh, let's see here. So these are the My Little Pony role-playing game and the Deluxe Core rulebook are both currently available to pre-order, and the books and accessories are expected to be released later in 2022. The pre-orders come with a PDF of the rulebook at no additional cost for players to peruse. So if I click on this pre-order link, I'll probably be able to get some pricing. At this point, yeah, because this, this article is a couple of weeks, a few weeks old. All right, so I just clicked on it, and the dice bag is fifteen dollars. Uh, the role-playing game core rulebook is fifty-five dollars. Uh, standard. And the deck-building game pre-order is forty-five dollars. The character standard. journal is twenty-one ninety-nine, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those core those rule books are hardcover, and mm-hmm. you know they're pretty nicely put together. So that's pretty much a fifty five dollar book. Yeah, it yeah. used to, those those books used to be forty nine ninety nine, but inflation and rising right. co- paper costs. So. Or the paperback used to be a little bit cheaper, like thirty ish, you know, something like that. So I'm trying to remember what when I got my my um, my second edition for, but that was many many moons ago. Uh, right. Anywho, uh, next up, though, speaking of uh, RBGs, uh, Blade Runner Tabletop RBG debuts a stunning early preview. So, yeah, there's a Blade Runner uh, role-playing game that is out there um, that is, I guess, official at this point, not people's doing this, because I know this probably has been. Um, there was a crowdfunding uh, um, set thing set up with Kickstarter. Oh, wait, is, I'm sorry. Uh, that is going to start on May 3rd. Uh, as a part of the announcement, uh, the developer of the uh, Blade Runner RPG released artwork and a full three-page spread of the core uh, rulebook. Uh, the artwork is in the article below, which actually looks not bad. So, yeah, if you're looking for a Blade, uh, an official Blade Runner RPG and like Netrunner or something or something along those lines, uh, there's one coming. You just gotta, you know, kick in for it. Uh, there's no price for it because, like I said, the Kickstarter hadn't started yet. So you know, it'll that'll be out there soon. Next up, some classic characters from the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon are coming to the D and D strategy video game Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. According to IGN, with the release of the 100th Champion imminent, developer Codename Entertainment is planning to celebrate by including the Dungeon Master from the 1983 Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. While Dungeon Master is the only character from the animation that will become a champion in the game so far, two other characters will join Idle Champions as villains, Venger, the primary antagonist of the original show, and Tiamat, the legendary goddess from Dungeons and Dragons, will try to impede players' progress. Okay. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Avenger. Thank you very much. I don't know. Some before somebody say something stupid like that, but um, yeah. So yeah, this is an idle game. This is a clicker. Um, it is what it is. I I wish I had gotten out my um my um that um 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 
set that I got from uh, uh, Marvel. I mean, not Marvel from uh, Magic: The Gathering. That that is also uh, in line with the Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoon because it is basically cards with uh, with, uh, with the characters on it. I don't know if Dungeon Magic is on it. Probably wouldn't be, but yeah, it's a clicker game. If you know about that one, it's 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 out there for you, folks. There you go. Um, and it's free, so you're not missing anything but time. Hey, um, here's something for me, um, which actually I got a package coming, hopefully, uh, sometime soon. Transformers debuts Wild Rider Blitzwing Legacy Figures. Um, so Wild Rider and Blitzwing are officially set to join the Transformers Legacy line of action figures later this year. Uh, Hasbro has provided CBR with an exclusive first look. Uh, so, yeah, I did not have Blitzwing growing up. I had Astrotrain, a boy I wish I still did. Uh, Wild Rider, which I don't know of, is going to be $24.99, and Blitzwing is going to be $55.99. Uh, if, if you didn't know, Blitzwing is the triple changer. It's a tank and a, and a jet, and it was great, but I didn't get them. Uh, both figures are due to release just July, uh, and will be available for pre-orders on Hasbro Pulse. Uh, actually, they already are at this point. Uh, April 12th, which they already are, and I already saw a listing at um, Big Bad Toys, which I may actually do. Uh, here are me scrolling through the pictures of them at this point. Uh, and there you go. Next. So, in some really crazy, cool, <laughs> but very expensive news. Like, I saw this, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that... I saw the story. I'm glad that Roddy Cap pulled it. Um... Robo sends Optimus Prime automatically transforming robot gets an automatically converting trailer as well. So you can turn the $900 auto transforming Optimus Prime into an even more formidable toy for another $750. Ridiculous. So you know, you can get this companion trailer and roller set for Optimus Prime with its equally cool auto conversion features. So this is based on the G1 design and the trailer measures an impressive three feet in length fully extended. Using RoboSense robotics, it automatically unfolds and tilts vertically into a nearly flat rectangular shield complete with an integrated articulating sentry blaster. In truck mode, it houses the roller vehicle and human sidekick Spike, who's ready to jump into action or enjoy the ride. The blaster can also be mounted for further firepower and support according to RoboSen. So there is a YouTube video that uh, details how the trailer transforms. It is a very, very impressive looking toy. Deliveries will not start until November of 2022. The package includes a protective storage case with handle for easy transportation, along with a collectible pack, including an individualized serial number, Autobot magnetic car bridge, car badge, that is, metal challenge coin, and sticker pack. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is expensive, but damn if this isn't something we all wanted as a kid. I know, right? And we talked about this when when just the Optimus Victor came, came out. Wait, did you see this on Fat Man Beyond or whatever? No, they didn't have this. I mean, they haven't recorded an episode this week. It's probably because of the holidays. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, I saw this article and I was like, son of a biscuit. And apparently there's going to be a package where there's going to be Optimus and the trailer for like $1,500. That's a lot of money. But as they just said, it's cool as hell. I would love this. Yeah, I mean, uh, according to this 
according to this article, it says that that deal might already be gone. Right. Yeah, because I believe, yeah, because everybody who got the original Optimus probably already got it and probably jumped on this when they saw it. So, um, so the only things left, uh, if any, if it's if it's anything at all, is the fifteen hundred price. But like I said, that might also be gone at this point. Right. I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a G one guy through and through. I love the Transformers, mm-hmm. but I'm probably just that much more of a Marvel guy. So it's not like I'm fiending for this. Mm-hmm. But I definitely understand people who are like G one enthusiasts, like you know. They, they would absolutely jump on this. And we are of the age where, you know, even though this is a lot of money, you might actually have a little bit of disposable income. I do not. So, so I do not. Well, no, I said <laughs> we might actually. I didn't right. say we do. Well, we, right. Yeah. The, would be of the age to have that kind of disposable money. I got exactly, you. But, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that's a lot of freaking money. Either way, it's the cool as fuck. Uh, next up, though. Um, this is, oh, this is me. Uh, DC gives Batman an all new logo. Um, so, yeah, they changed Batman's logo. Uh, I guess this is it right here. Uh, I don't know what the difference is. I actually don't care. Oh, I guess they don't have the, the bat, uh, the bat shadow in the back of it anymore. Or they do. I don't know. But, hey, he's got a new icon. There you go, Bat fans. Next up. Hold on. What's up? Oh, you're talking about the title logo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I thought he was talking about his chest logo. No, 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 no. That's lame. Yeah. All right. Ram V, Raphael Albuquerque, and Dave Stewart are taking over Detective Comics in July. So getting another new creative team. So there's been a little bit of turnover in the relatively recent past with regards to Detective Comics. And um, this team is going to have a four-part story up front first called Gotham Nocturne. And it finds Batman embroiled in a music-themed mystery. Uh, there will be backup stories in this book written by Cy Spurrier. And the first one is going to be illustrated by Danny following Jim Gordon on his return to Gotham as a private investigator. So, all right. You know, if you're, um, trying to keep up with detective as opposed to the, what, what's kind of become the main Batman book where, you know, detective stopped being the main Batman book a while ago. Right. But. Uh, ultimately, you know, if you're if you're trying to maintain your run of Detective Comics, then you know, feel free to jump in on this. Right. Also, I was like, wait, illustrated by Danny. I was like, well, shout out to Dark Green Duck on Twitter, but I don't think it was her, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or definitely not D- Danny Moonstar either. So yeah. Anyway, uh, Nightwing and Deathstroke have a brutal showdown in Dark Crisis preview. So there's a two page spread for the second issue of DC's Dark Crisis event. Um, uh, it's going to be seven issues. It's following the Justice League 75, a.k.a. the Death of the Justice League. Um, and yeah, there was uh, Joshua Williamson uh, took to Twitter to preview, uh, um, uh, give a preview of a fight between Deathstroke and Nightwing. And you can see it right there if you're watching the video version of this here program. And you should sometimes. Next up. DC reveals the four finalists of its 2022 round robin comic book tournament with the third round of voting set to begin in one week. Uh, This is so it's a little less than a week now. DC revealed the updated bracket for its 2022 round robin tournament heading into round three. The final four titles of this year's round robin tournament are Constantine and the Demon, Vacation from Hell by Frank Allen and Nick Varela. 
Suicide Squad, Dark by Zach Thompson and Gary Brown. Green Lantern, The Light at the End of Forever by Cy Spurrier and Marco Santucci. And Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow by Kenny Porter and Janoy Lindsay. Okay. I saw one of the creators uh, trying to trying to make a run for their book. That's uh, T. Frank, Miss T. Franklin, uh, and sadly, it looks like it they didn't make it through the final four, which is you know sad. But it's kind of hard to beat out a Green Lantern book, I guess, except for unless you're Superboy. Um, so yeah, that's that's the thing. Next up, though, DC's Pride 2022 one shot adds story from the OG. Kevin Conroy and Jay Bone. That's right, folks. Uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, the animated series. Some would say the voice of Batman, just in general, um, is writing a story called uh, Finding Batman, which was which is described as a personal story with art from Bone, it's from DCU Super Friends, and letters by uh, Aditya Bidikar from Bloodborne. I guess I didn't know that was a Bloodborne book, but okay, sure. Um, yeah, this is a 104-page prestige format uh, issue book, which is the 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 Pride the the DC Pride issue one shot. Um, and there, this article also goes into uh, listing the other stories and creative teams uh, involved with this. Like I didn't know uh, Convoy uh, Convoy wrote. So apparently, this is a lot of people finding out that he's um he's out as, as gay. <laughs> and has been yeah, for, I, for, I didn't for know the that length either. of time. Yeah. For for I for, had no idea. Yeah. Not that it matters. It was no, just it not, does well not, it's, no. to some some people I'm sure it will, but yeah, definitely not to not here. So You know. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was just like, why is he writing this? Oh mm-hmm. you know, that was it was one of those realizations. Right. Yeah. I feel like I knew at some point, but yeah. Uh-uh. I don't know. Check it out. I'll, that's all I'll say. Just, I'm actually kind of curious, to, to be honest, because, like I said, I didn't know he wrote at any at all. So I was kind of curious to see what that story is going to be. Um, next up, though. Next up. So there are two there. Actually, no, it's already done now. But the crowdfunding campaign to support Ronald Wimberley's gratuitous ninja, abbreviated as Gratnin, uh, as a physical release, has uh, just wrapped up. It's published in a 400-foot accordion-folded format, and uh, Gratinin is comics as an art object. Uh, so this was originally published as a webcomic designed for Infinite Scroll. The story was a challenge, apparently, to them to bring to life on paper in a cool, meaningful way. So it has over 85,000 raised in pre-orders. That cool, creative package is going to become a reality. So uh, let's see here. So both Wimberly and writer Kelly Sue DeConnick talked uh, about Grattanin and the process behind it and about comics, pop culture, and their philosophies on art in general. And you can follow the webpage that Rodicat is showing you and play the uh, uh, the third part or part two of the conversation uh, with comicbook.com on this website. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man the God launches a comic book uh, and graphic novel lines. With uh, Kevin Grievo, which did we have him on the show? No, but okay. I know who Kevin Grievo is. Right. Um, so yeah. So for those who don't know, Charlemagne the God um, started out local here to me, which is funny. Uh, radio host, author, media mogul, kind of an asshole, but that's, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. 
Um, uh, it's teaming up with uh, actor, director, and comics writer Kevin Greville to develop original superhero properties as comic series and graphic novels. The first project will be Darkstorm, written, written by Greville, Greville uh, with art by Ken Lachey, Lashley, excuse me, uh, an original graphic artist, graphic novel series uh, featuring a reluctant black superhero who struggles with PTSD. The graphic novel will be published by Charlemagne's uh, Simon & Schuster imprint, Black Black Privilege Publishing. Uh, there's also another book which is going to be uh, from uh, AWA Studios, um, which will be The Vindicators and will star a diverse team of superheroes living in the dystopian future. So, good on uh, Charlemagne and Kevin Grieve, I guess. No, not really a big fan of Charlemagne, but yeah, yeah. good on Kevin Grieve. Next up. Not yeah, I've been listening to the morning radio here in the city for a while, so yeah, you know, uh, you know, if it's not the news, I'm like, eh, yeah. So, all right. Last but not least, in Doctor Who news, of course, <laughs> Doctor Who reveals spinoff podcast series were featuring the Thirteenth Doctor. The first ever Doctor Who podcast story, Doctor Who Redacted, featuring Jodie Whittaker, announces its debut episode's release date and premise. Jodie Whittaker might only have a few Doctor Who episodes left before she regenerates, but the Thirteenth Doctor is about to receive an even more is about to receive even more adventures in podcast form. The official Doctor Who website announced that Episode One of a ten-part podcast series called Doctor Who Redacted will drop on April seventeenth. That's just a few days from this recording, the same day as the twenty twenty-two special episode Legend of the Sea Devils. Instead of being directly Doctor-centric, Redacted follows three broke university dropouts and podcast co-host Cleo Proctor, Char- by, played by Charlie Craggs, Abby McPhail, played by Lois Chimimba, Chimimba and Shauna Thompson, played by Holly Quinn Ankra, whose series The Blue Box Files analyzes the recur- reoccurrence of a mysterious object, i.e. the Doctor's TARDIS, throughout historical records. However, Cleo, Abby, and Shauna soon become the universe's best chance at survival, thanks ironically to poor viewership numbers. <laughs> After getting caught in a supernatural conspiracy as they learn that everyone who's ever met the Doctor is disappearing and being forgotten. Okay, that's got to mean something to Doctor Who people. It does. Especially if you're caught up on, on Jody Whittaker's Doctor. So, yeah. Uh, and that's it for the news, folks. Uh, before we end, I want to show something really, really quick, uh, if I can... Uh, in I guess it's Toy Corner. I don't know if you can see this because my stupid background and my room is a mess, so I'm not turning off my, my virtual background. But basically, I have in my hands uh, Transformers deck building game. I said it, I said I was going to get it. I absolutely deserve to get it. Uh, I haven't opened it up yet, but uh, yep, I got the box. Uh, I'm going to open it up at some point. I keep saying that and probably won't. But hey, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Uh, you can, I think it's like one to four players and, and it's uh, good stuff. And I'm a card based uh, game sucker. So, and hey, I like Transformers. It works in both ways for me. Uh, and that, folks, is that for the news. And we've got one last ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, your personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. It's springtime. Have you ever tried an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. 
Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. Uh, and I am very much going to try some orange wine because every time I hear that dog, we were talking about this before the show also, um, I have still have not. It might not be through Wink, but I'm definitely going to try some orange wine at some point because I really need to know what the hell that is. Um, anyway, this is the end of the show, folks. Um, yeah, I don't think we have anything else pressing. We don't have a movie protocol or anything coming up. Yeah, not right away. Yeah, we definitely not when right Doctor Strange comes, but that's still a few weeks away. Right. The only thing that I mean, we're right in the middle of Holy Week now, so for oh, yes. anyone, and there's a bunch of uh, concurrent holidays going on right now too because Passover is about to start. So, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Uh, You know, hope you have uh, an easy uh, Holy Week. You know, for us, Good Friday's already started. Mm -hmm. And uh, this weekend is Easter. So a little bit of premature, but happy Easter to everyone. Yeah, indeed. I mean, by the time the audio version of this comes out, it'll probably be after Easter. So uh, probably well after Easter, the way things have been going. But uh, hopefully. Either way. Um, this has been uh, the the Combo Chronicles. I am your host, Radicat, or I am one of your hosts, Radicat. Rather, you can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com is all the umbrella sites therein, and apparently. Um, recording artist dirt <laughs> as we've recently found out seriously you on, need, you need to look up dirt on spotify maybe we'll put a link in it because that's a pretty generic term but maybe we'll put a link in if you're uh, uh, on in the show notes for that yeah at least under artist name it's probably not that generic maybe we'll see but yeah check them out for all the in all those places uh, TOGG98 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account, uh, um, uh, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, theclicknation.com, uh, and also over as we have you seen uh, through the course of this show, over at comicbook.com, writing his face off. Absolutely, writing his face off. So, shout out to the man, Tim. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find them, uh, find us on your podcast place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. Uh, and also twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So yeah, we'll be back next week, folk. More goodness, more Moon Knight, more books, more shenanigans. Um, 
maybe another piece of toy corner if my if my uh, package comes in. I'm very excited for that one actually, because uh, I know what's coming. <laughs> uh, and with that, folks, uh, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Happy Easter. Peace. Peace. One. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.